Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. I am your host, Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, it's Padawan J. Uh, breaking news, everyone. Uh, Coach Calipari still coaching down at Kentucky. Shocking. I know. After the events of last week and then nearly losing another one to an unranked opponent, I believe? They're, yeah, no, they're still keeping the seat warm in New York, though. <sighs> New York as in Brooklyn, because that's the only place he'd be <laughs> welcomed at. Because not only will I not welcome him, your coach... My coach, the coach, Coach Duffy, is on the same page. What do you guys need me to do to make this the best show ever? What do you need me to do? We need to go. We got to get it going. Incredible. Nice. Blank stares. Blank stares. Nice. No response. We're wow. Gonna be, we're going to wow. be covering that. Well, well wow. to, be, to be fair, the offensive line gave him the same reaction. <laughs> we're going to be covering that and so much more here on the show, talking a lot of sports this week. Definitely join in the conversation on social media. You can find all our accounts on OchoDuroParlayHour.com and always use the hashtag ODPH to join in the conversation because we have a lot to discuss, a lot to interact with. We know we kick off every season or every show during the NFL season with our locks and leaps. And let's just jump into it, Pad, since you are leading the board. Who is your lock? Well, my lock was almost another curse this week. If if this had gone the way it was looking at about halftime, I think Jr. would have some guy Lord Jr. would have put me through several walls because I almost cursed the Minnesota Vikings. He mentioned that today, actually. Yeah, no, I'm not surprised uh, because at one point it was not looking good. At one point at, at halftime, the Denver Broncos, and this shocked me to the point where I had like I had to take a double take. Uh, at halftime, the Denver Broncos were defeating the Minnesota Vikings twenty to nothing. Uh, but no, the Dem- the Minnesota Vikings came back, and I believe if I read the stat correctly, the Minnesota Vikings are the first team to come back from a twenty point deficit and win the game, at least in the regular season. I can't speak for playoffs, but regular yep. season at the least. Uh, winning by the final score of 27-23. to 23. Brandon Allen of the Denver Broncos, 17 of 39 for 240 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Kirk Cousins, uh, 29 of 35 for 319 yards passing, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Coach, your thoughts on this? Well, I mean, obviously we know Denver has a good defense. Uh, yeah, I yeah. mean, holding... Uh, being able to stop Delvin Cook, only 11 carries for 26 yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, when you're down, you can't really run the ball because that's obviously going to eat the clock away. So, I mean, you've got to do exactly what Denver does did to try to beat Minnesota, which is make Kirk Cousins beat you. Right. Unfortunately, today or Sunday, Kirk Cousins did that. You like that? <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they've been playing so well since that point, which is crazy. I mean, whatever it did for team chemistry and – obviously worked and then flip the other side of the ball i mean denver is a mess yeah a little bit i mean no the de- the defense definitely stepped up like you said holding minnesota scoreless in the entire first half you know nothing to really shrug your shoulders at it's very impressive and getting to kirk cousins five times you know for sacks you know it, it's very impressive but like you said on the other side of the ball it's okay you've got brandon allen as their quarterback now because i believe joe flacco's done for the year uh, he's on ir so you've got a quarterback that I'll be honest, if I'm a fantasy football owner, I'm not exactly jumping at the bit to put the guy on my well, team. Well, that whole Flacco thing in itself is yeah. a sticky, messy situation. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, I'm looking, I'm looking at everyone that got credited with rushing on their uh, for their team that day. Nobody's jumping out at me and like, oh, I got to get this guy. And the, and the same can be said for receiving. You're like, all right, who you got? Congratulations, Noah Fonts, about the only name I recognize for that receiving core. 
there is nothing flashy about Denver's offense. I'm sorry. It's anemic. It is awful. Is it Cincinnati bad? No. No. Is it Miami bad? No. Eh, debatable. But it's close. It's debatable. Well, I mean, luckily they still have, obviously, I mean, he didn't play well, but Philip Lindsay had a really good year last year. I mean, yeah, I, I think it's a little bit of mileage and maybe some wear and tear from last season that's kind of still adding up because he's not playing the same way he was last year. And then, obviously, you know, you trade uh, Sanders to the 49ers, which, right. I mean, for a third-round pick, looks like the 49ers got a steal at that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Sanders played great that first game. And then, you know, you drafted – and this is the, the age-old story here with the with the Broncos – Draft said quarterback in the second, third, fourth round. Then guy said guy doesn't pan out. And right now, you know, you brought in Flacco because you thought you had a win-now defense. They, unfortunately, were coming up short offensively. So now you pull Flacco with that neck injury, put quotes around that. And then mm-hmm. you go to, you know, the next guy in. And obviously, Drew Locke was the guy that they drafted in the second round this year and hoping that he can ascend to be the man. And I guess reports came out of practice this week because he finally practiced that he threw one of the most beautiful incomplete passes hmm. uh, one of the defenders have ever seen. I can't remember who who said that during the press conference, but yeah. So I mean, now you're hanging your on your luck, you're hanging your hat here on Drew Locke to come in and play, and it's like when and is it too late? Do you think now? Obviously, Joe Flacco and Peyton Manning nowhere near the same ability level. But do you think John Elway was maybe trying to strike gold twice by older quarterback tail end of his career? trying to get lucky and bring him in and have some success? Yes. I think to a degree. Now, I, now obviously, like I said, Peyton Manning, Joe Flacco, no, no, completely right. different Absolutely. I think he, he realizes that his defense is a very good one yeah, and that he just needs somebody competent to run his offense. That I want to say to a lesser degree – like Trent Dilfer and the Ravens when they went to the Super Bowl. Right. I mean, sure. you could say a, a Jake Plummer who came into Denver after John Elway left, uh, you know, Brian Hoyer, like all these veteran quarterbacks who came into Denver to fill the void after John Elway left. Then obviously then John Elway became the general manager. Then he struck gold by being able to land Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. And now here they are trying to replace another quarterback. And it's like guy after guy after guy. And, you know, they every year they opt to do the same thing, which is, Land said veteran quarterback, hope that they can get a run out of him, and then go from there. And it's like, instead of doing that, why not go out and draft, you know, a first-round star potential quarterback? I mean, I, God, the kid that they drafted four years ago is now out of the NFL. Peyton Lynch. Peyton Lynch. And yeah. then there was the other, uh, Brock Osweiler. Mm-hmm. You know, like, he, it's the same repetitive story every time. Bring in said guy, have a veteran start in front of him, then Brock goes in to start. Puts up a couple good performances. Now out of the NFL. Same thing for the other guy. It's just it's the same story in Denver year in and year out. Well, it almost makes me wonder because as I'm looking at ESPN.com and their their listed depth chart for the Broncos, Brandon Allen is listed as a starter. The second string quarterback is listed as Brett Ripon, who I go to his stats is a rookie quarterback from Boise State. Right. Well, that's because Drew Locke is hurt. I mean, right. Locke would probably be the second guy, but you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if their names associated to uh, Cam Newton next year. Or even maybe even Ryan Fitzpatrick just I to mean, come in and fill the void. You you need something because I'm looking at it, like I said, Brandon Allen is their starter. He has 433 career passing yards, all of which are coming from this season. Brett Ripon hasn't even seen the field for active duty. But every year they outplay themselves, and now 
here they, they're going to have another 14th, 15th pick in the draft. Mm. And luckily, this draft is as deep as the Elway draft. Yeah. In my eyes, I mean, listen, my assessment on this quarterback class that's coming out this year is like, Gold, you know the gold emoji, the, the gold eye emoji. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. This is going to be great. So uh, this year they might be able to get somebody at fourteen or fifteen. It would make a lot of sense for them to go that route because not everybody is Paxton Lynch. That's the pa- yes, that's yes. The one who is. Peyton was someone. But guy. even but even still, I mean, both are out of the NFL right now. Right, yeah. exactly. And then you can't have this revolving door at your quarterback position and expect to get anywhere in the NFL. Like, let's face it. Any rookie that comes in is going to struggle the first season. It always sure, happens yeah, when you throw yeah. the, the speed of the not game. Everybody is just can different. be Danny Jones. Not, exactly. not everybody can be like an Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, or even Peyton Manning. To a I'm unfamiliar with them, right? But the question now is for Denver: your defense, the window is closing. Oh yeah. Now, yep. to to a degree, I'm not saying it's going to slam shut and all of a sudden they're going to be absolutely awful, but it is closing. So what do you do? Do you go in the offseason and go get a Cam Newton who, let's face it, has got a lot of tread on his tires, and you're expecting him to have that same magic that he had in Carolina? I mean, I don't think so because that's, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. That would be a third attempt of trying to strike gold. Exactly, and I don't think that it's a smart play to do. No. I I think what Coach was saying about drafting – a quarterback is right because they almost did that in the Josh Allen draft because yeah. if the Browns right. had taken Bradley Chubb at four instead of uh, going for, I believe, Denzel Ward, they were going to go take Josh Allen at five. But obviously right. the fate has changed history, and you know we thank him in Buffalo for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the Browns need to figure out – or I'm sorry, the Broncos need to figure out where is their future going to be. If you want to go in the draft, go all in on the draft. For Elway, he needs to sit there and go, okay – who is going to be the face of my franchise going forward? Because if you're going to invest a first-round pick on a quarterback, that has to be your guy. Yeah. Right. I mean, he, I mean, Denver's in the same situation that I was telling my cousin, who's a Dolphins fan, the same thing. You know, a number of years ago, you got to get a quarterback in there. You got to let him learn, and you got to have a consistent system. Consistent system. Say that five times fast. Mm-hmm. Where they can learn and they can grow and they can adapt to it. You can't have this rotating door of, oh, we got this quarterback this year with this offensive coordinator. We're going to change halfway through the year, and they're going to go through five systems in four years. Exactly. Well, I'll say, I mean, right now the best thing that's happened to them is if they are looking at 14 and 15, you know, 2-0 with this unfortunate hip, you know, dislocation. Yeah. I mean, who knows where he will fall in the draft because it's, it's inevitable that he will, especially with how well, you know, guys like Jalen Hurt is playing right now. Um and, and from in Georgia, I mean, these guys are probably going to ascend up the board. As, that kid from LSU too, uh, yeah, and yeah. Well, if he comes out, I mean, he's only a junior, so yeah. I mean, there's a lot of what if with Burroughs. Um, but yeah, I mean, these guys, all their stock are rising right now, and Tua with this hip injury, where they said that he might not even be able to play again. Mm. You know, it's a real realistic thing for him right now that he could be at that 14, 15 spot where Denver's drafting. They're going to have a lot of questions to answer when it comes to the draft because I think that's what Denver needs to focus on right now because yeah. the season's a wash. <laughs> and honestly, That's not even worth it at this point, yeah. The only thing you can do now if you're on the offensive side of the ball in Denver is audition for a role next mm-hmm. season. Well, I, yeah, I, I think you got to get Drew Locke in the game. Yeah, I mean, I think he's got to play this week. If they're not on a bye, whatever, just pl- you got to plug and play. Yeah, he's they're playing bill, the Bills this week. There so. you go. Well, I guess I just found my fantasy defense. Yes. So <laughs> that being said, Denver has some stuff to do. For Minnesota, it was a great win, you know, leading the Kirk Cousins resurgence. Mm-hmm. That they don't have <sighs> to ask, good. That Scary good. Cousins doesn't have to ask a lot of questions like the qu- current quarterback does in Washington. 
because yeah. there is so many questions to ask there as we're going to go to your and Coach's Lee Pad. Yep. Yeah, we uh, both chose that the New York Jets to defeat the Washington Redskins. Jets, Jets, Jets. And the Jets handedly won by a final score of 34-17. to uh, Sam Darnold, 19 of 30 for 293 yards passing, four touchdowns, one interception. Dwayne Haskins, 19 of 35 for 214 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Coach, what do you have to do in Washington? All right, well, first let me start with Dwayne Haskins played all right. Yeah, I mean, did. everybody's mocking him for this, and – I mean, he's got some moxie. A rookie quarterback going up to his offensive line, asking what he can do to, to better them. And I mean, their reaction was uh, shameful. It's shameful. Yeah. Oh my god! If, if I was if I was him, I would have been like somebody cut the camera and, and like. <laughs> yeah, really? I know. Like, don't show this. You're just hurting the kid. Yeah. Uh, what? How to fix Washington? Um, Dan Snyder needs to sell the team. And uh, then they need to fire Allen as the general manager. They were chan- These are the two things that need to happen. They were chanting that first one at the game, but I'm laying odds he didn't hear it. No, and it's because it was all Jets fans there. Mm-hmm. That's it, why he couldn't hear it. It's so bad that the, they're playing this Sunday. I believe they're playing... I forget who they're playing. But you can get tickets to the game for $5. All right, let me say something nice about the Redskins, though. Because you don't have I to. Li- I, no, I don't want to be just a negative nilly. I liked what I saw at Dwayne Haskins. I liked what I saw from him from a standpoint of being able to to go in there against a uh, Jets defense that's playing very well right now and, and play well. I mean, not great an interception, but play well. I mean, everybody was killing this kid after the draft. You know, obviously not everybody, but most scouts were, you know, the reason why he fell is because he's slow and he doesn't have the foot speed and doesn't have the arm strength and yada, yada, yada. But, and then the first, you know, preseason came out where he threw four interceptions. That wasn't a good look. But he's had now with a few starts getting into the offense and assimilating himself. And I don't think Bill Callahan's saving his job at all. No. You know, there might be two interim, interim coaches at Washington before the season ends, but. You know, it's something that Washington, I think, you know, having a high draft pick, maybe being able to trade down might be an opportune moment for them to be able to do that with, you know, how deep the quarterback draft is. Maybe find a team that's trying to reach for somebody and trade down and, you know, build off a couple things. Obviously, you got to get an offensive line that wants to work with your quarterback. You know, secondary yeah. in the secondary, they could use some help. And uh, they definitely need some receiving help. I mean, I'm looking yeah. at the receiving core. And like, okay, yeah, Terry McLaurin, three catches for 69 yards, but like none of these names are jumping out at me. You know, and Geis has been on and off the injured list all year long, killing a lot of fantasy owners. So, you know, maybe getting a steady running back in with, you know, the kid out of Alabama, you know, just the first person that pops mm. to my mind. So, uh, you know, there's options there. Or Georgia's running back, Swift. You know, DeAndre Swift is a very solid running back. So maybe if he's available in late the first round, you got, you know, the pick there. You know, that's a move for Washington. On the other side of the ball, the Jets. Looking pretty I mean, good. they have exercised the demons. Yeah. You can the say ghosts are gone. Yeah, you can say the ghosts have left. I mean, I. For from this week. Sam Darnold's playing very, very well. I, you know, for a while thought, boy, if the Jets keep plummeting and. Arnold keeps playing as poorly as he was, they're going to have to look at drafting quarterback this year. Like I they think can't we were hold having, on to. I think we were having that discussion. Yeah, like you can't hold on to him. And now back to back good games against bad teams, which is what you need your quarterback to do. Yeah. I mean, oh well, you got to take advantage of what's in front of you, and he's done that. And Crowder's being uh, being used in a way that he wasn't early on the season, which I think is helping them offensively. And Le'Veon Bell is 
chugging away. I mean, they're they're not really getting him in the in space like he was in Pittsburgh, but they also don't have the weapons around him that enable him to like he was able to in Pittsburgh. I mean, you look at Sam Darnold's stats this year. I, I would argue he's only had one bad game, and that was the game against Jacksonville where he threw three interceptions. The rest of them, you know, four touchdowns like we mentioned this week, one touchdown last week. It's all been like north of 200 yards passing. But the big takeaway, though, is he's done this against bad teams. Yeah, See, right. Yeah, Miami, Washington, yeah. Yeah. And so you have to factor that in. And I'm not saying that this isn't a good win for the Jets because it is, because they need to start putting wins together, especially for, let's face it, Darnold is essentially a rookie in his right. own right because you don't really learn the game that quickly. And for a team that is struggling to find an identity on offense, because defensively it's called Jamal Adams. Right, but that's mm-hmm. the only thing you need to call it. Yes. Which he's a grown man, that he, fella. He, I mean, my yeah, God. Yes. When you have him on your backfield, I'm still having you're, PTSD you're, from him ripping the ball from Danny like that. Like, oh my God. Exactly. Like I said, he's in the backfield of your defense. Playground bully. You are fine. Yeah. So your defense will keep you in games. It's just your offense and what you're going to do. Because Gase is not the guy as your head coach. I'm sorry. He he showed in Miami. I'm not sold on him. I'm not either. I don't. And, and you have Le'Veon Bell, who is actually motivated for the first time in quite <laughs> some time, and you don't know how to get him the ball. Because take a look at how Pittsburgh used to do it. You can love it or hate it, but that's how he was most successful because they cater to his ability. Mm-hmm. The Jets have him. The Jets are trying to force him to be a running back. He's not. And that's why he is not doing anything this season other than eating salary cap and enjoying the New York lifestyle. So that being said, the Jets got to figure something out. But I'll flip the coin to Washington. I'm sorry. Due to your owner, you're never going to amount to too much too soon. Because no, the I- patience factor is not there. Your team is obviously mailing it in. If you have not seen what we're talking about, when the blank stares of Dwayne Haskins begging and pleading for his offense to do something so he doesn't get knocked on his tail six times, I mean, it's sad. It's sad. It really is. No, yeah, it is. I mean, and you just look at however long he's on that team. They've never done anything. Sure, they had a glimpse of, of, of something good with Alex Smith, but and unfortunately he had that injury go down with it. But what good, you know, I remember walking through public one day and walking past the guy who goes, you know what, I just can't, you know, I've been a Redskins fan for 30 years all my life, you know, in the entire time and however long it's been and and I just can't watch games anymore. He goes they're they're just that bad. Well, the stretch, I mean that Robert Griffin the third stretch when mm-hmm. they got to the divisional round of the playoff and then, you know, unfortunately he tears his ACL on a rainy wet day when they're running him about 50 times like he was a, you know, halfback. Mhm. You know, and then he never comes back to be the same player and then obviously Cousins has that good second year where, you know, he leads them to a I think a nine and seven, ten and six record, and just missed the playoffs because Philly and the Giants made it that year. I mean, yeah, it's been a really tough. I mean, but Washington was in the toughest division at the time, so it was like you know, unless you were literally perfect, it's like you know, the Cowboys missed the playoffs, Washington missed the playoffs, Philly missed the playoffs, and then the Giants were just barely getting in, and then right. then the next year it would be Philly just snuck in while the other teams were all you know either in the wild card or the first team out. So it's like. That division at the time was was really, really good. You had to be flawless, and they had some bad losses and some hiccups. And then, obviously, coaching issues, coaching turnover, quarterback turnover, and, you know, the tough break of Robert Griffin III where, you know, obviously they could have been set. Yeah. I mean, at the time, let's think about yeah. what they had. They had uh, really good wide receivers. Uh, God, they had uh, Deshaun Jackson. Then they had... Um, I can't remember who was on the other side of him. And then they had a really they had a, a tight end, 
man, people are escaping my mind right now. But they had a really good offense. And they were loaded. And then the Robert Griffin III injury happened. Then they let Cousins go. And then everybody left because they're like, we're not hanging out here. You have no culture stability there. Right. And when your owner makes Jerry Jones look like Robert Kraft, it's not a good look for your team. I'm sorry. I'm coming in extra hot on this one. I think the difference between the two of them is, is Snyder presses too hard yes when jerry jones is just that steady force it's almost like you know if you think about you know star wars culture you know he literally is you know the man behind the curtain you know he is darth vader had no uh emperor emperor yeah palpatine like yeah he is emperor palpatine like he is the one controlling the strings and knowing everything and jerry doesn't let anything mess with his strings but Snyder, you know, will be that one that Darcy will just the rage will get to him, and he'll just blindside and just and, not think about things. And that's the problem. And that's what I'm saying is your culture comes from the top down, right? And if Snyder is too impatient, and everybody walks on pins and needles, and he is just impulsive enough to really ruin instead of building, it's not going to happen. Well, we see it with the Knicks. Oh, that's it's, 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 it's all it's Dolan. Yeah, oh, yeah I it's agree Dolan to a T. It's, yeah, Dolan to the letter. I yeah. I fully see. That's why I'm saying when I'm seeing the Washington Redskins, I'm like, this is the problem right here. Clinton Portis they had. That yeah. was the running back. Thank you. Yeah, I knew it was but come there's back. been so many turnovers. It's hard to keep track of who's played there. Who's uh, yeah, it's very true. I mean, yeah. th- think about year to year to year. I mean, it is literally probably Washington spending the most money in free agency just because they have guys on such short-term deals, and they all leave. Yeah. They don't come back. Yeah, I'll be honest. I couldn't name you probably three of them other than uh, Adrian Peterson is on the roster. Yeah, the only reason, I mean, Landon Collins and Norman. Those are the yeah. only other guys I got for you. Yeah, and it's not to be disrespectful to any Washington fans out there, but let's be honest. Your team has a lot of work to do, and it unfortunately comes from the top down. If Snyder can somehow control oh, his br- impulses. Bruce Allen's got to go, too, yeah. as general manager. Oh, the, he's killing yeah, them. Yeah, he's killing them, too. But it's got to come from the top down, and until then – it's going to be a rough time to be a Redskins fan until further notice, mm-hmm. no matter what you do. If you flip the coin to New Orleans, though, it's a great time to be a Saints fan. Absolutely. Oh, well, I mean, right now it is. It wasn't two weeks ago when right. they had that bad loss. But, yeah, I mean, my lock was New Orleans going against Tampa Bay. I thought it would be a, a rebound game, a revenge game for uh, New Orleans coming off of that poor performance the week before against Atlanta. Uh, they came out and won the game. Pad, you got the stats on that yeah, one? Yeah, uh, 34 to 17 was the final score. Drew Brees, 28 of 35 for 228 yards passing, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Jameis Winston, 30 of 51 for 313 yards passing, two touchdowns, four interceptions. Saints doing Saints. Saints doing Saints. Yeah. I knew it was going to be about, hey, you're allowed to have a hiccup game. Sure. Obviously, you know. Drew Brees coming off, which crazy because it was a bye going into that uh, game against Atlanta. Yeah. So you would have thought they would have just came out and obliterated. Especially at the Dome. Atlanta, at the, yeah. yeah, especially at the Dome. But they come out and they put up a stinker. So you know they're going to come back the next week against the divisional opponent and want to make a statement. That's exactly what they did. No, they definitely had to do something to wipe away that egregious loss. Egregious. And also, let me just pat myself on the back real quick because not only do I have Drew Brees on my fantasy team, but I also have Deshaun Watson, who is the second leading quarterback in the NFL right now, sat Deshaun Watson against all the experts' opinions because I knew New Orleans was going to come out and put a whipping. Well, that's why we don't. We don't call you coach for nothing. That's right. I mean, that's foresight is what that is. Exactly. Crystal ball. Yes. If you need your fantasy advice, you can definitely hit up coach on Twitter. I'll give it to you. I'm helping my other bunny in another league right now. He's first place. 
Yep. There you go. See? But to get back to the point, though, with New Orleans, I mean, they look great. They obviously are one of the top teams that are going into the playoffs as we're now, what, a month away from the season being over. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they have to come out and play well right now. They obviously want to make statement wins because of the fact that they obviously the still have the hangover with the Rams in the playoffs, and they're still on their revenge tour. And, you know, Drew Brees needed to come out and play well, especially the fact that he put up that dud against Atlanta. And even and then you know what though to their credit Atlanta came out and won last week yeah. so I mean there's a little bit of a bounce back there so maybe going in you know maybe Atlanta was just ready for New Orleans and it wasn't a hiccup game yeah if the if the season were to end today New Orleans would be in the third uh, seed simply in Green they have the same record as Green Bay but Green Bay wins the tiebreaker based on best win percentage in conference games take it oh that's a tough loss against Atlanta now yeah <laughs> uh-huh. and, and hey listen now they got Atlanta coming up too on Thursday yeah thanks next week on Thanksgiving. Yes, which let's see if they put up another turkey. Hey, <laughs> because hey. That, that loss that loss needed some gravy because that loss is still haunting me in my Survivor League. Yeah, I bet. And then I mean, you look on the other flip of the coin here, and you talk about Tampa Bay, which is, hey. you know, they're a bad team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't say that's all you can. Re- that's all you can really say. I mean, Bruce Arians is trying to make magic happen down there, and it's you know just what? it's a bad team, but it's not like. You know, Miami Dolphins awful or Cincinnati Bengals awful. Like, they're competing. Well, here's the thing, though. It's so weird. They come out, they play well against Seattle. Mm-hmm. They come out and they put a 50-burger on uh, on the on the Rams. Yeah. So, I mean, they're playing well. Yeah. And doing very well. But then they play games like this and just put up duds. Mm-hmm. And then Jameis Winston has four interceptions. And you're like, there's Tampa Bay. Because, okay. Because the inconsistency of Winston's play is going to haunt them as long as he's there. Yeah, I mean, this is, don't forget, this is the same team that went into Seattle, lost 40-34 to 34 in overtime in Seattle. Yeah. Like, we don't know what team's going to show up on Sunday. Because Winston, if he's in the zone, whatever you want to define it as, they're going to compete. He has talent. He has arguably the best wide receiver core in the NFL between – Goodwin and um, Mike, Mike Evans. Evans. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't even say that he doesn't have weapons on the offensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. And, and they got comparable running backs. Yeah. yeah. So they have talent on that side of the ball. It's just a matter of can he get the ball to his playmakers. I mean, they might have comparable running backs. They must not trust them, though, because you look at their stats on Sunday. Uh, Jameis Winston was your leading rusher, two carries for 23 yards. Yes, which is not a great stat by any means. No. But what are you going to do in that situation? That's that's where it comes down to. That they have to figure out, okay, if we're going to be a pass-heavy offense, can we make this happen? Can we make this work? Well, that's what, you know, Arenas wants. Yeah. He wants to throw the ball downfield. He wants to stretch the field. I mean, the thing is, though, is that you have the wide receivers to do it. Mm-hmm. Just do you have the quarterback to do it? Yeah. Yeah, that's the question. So they need to do some work because between Godwin and Mike Evans. I mean, they, you also got to make sure you don't give up wacky turnovers like O.J. Howard had. Yeah, which, I mean, he's That just, was bizarre. Yeah, he's just out in his own... I mean, that yeah, one... Yeah, putting the ball behind your back, like, what are you doing? Yeah, like, what else can you really say about that? Like, yeah. I, I, I can't even spin that That's into like, something positive. That's like, you go in the locker room at halftime after something like, like that, and you just look happened? at him, and you're just like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, what was that? Because you can't... Like, you don't even want to just not address it, but at the same time, you're like... As a, as a coach, you're like, you know the response is going to be... This was trying to hold on to the ball, and it's like, you You, idiot. What are you, Mr. Fantastic? You can try spinning that any way you want to. It it was a bad look, and it just kind of summed up their play that day. Yeah. I mean, nothing else you can really say about that. 
But let's get a quick break in because I know we're going to go extra long this first segment. So definitely hit us up on our social media accounts. You can find them on OchoDuroParleyHour.com and join in that conversation. We're going to be right back. Hi, I'm Sunny Hepburn. And I'm Brandy Fleeks. And this is Book of Lies, the podcast, where we discuss liars, cheats, and thieves, scammers, and dirty, rotten scoundrels. So tune in for new episodes every Tuesday to hear about another low-down, dirty liar. And learn how to spot them. So that's Book of Lies podcast. Find us on your favorite podcast player or on Twitter at Book of Lies Pod, on Instagram at Book of Lies Podcast, and on Facebook at Book of Lies Podcast. And if you want to send us an email, send us one at Book of Lies Podcast at gmail.com. Okay? Bye bye. Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH, the greatest podcast in Binghamton. Woo! Let's talk about the San Francisco 49ers mm-hmm. who did rally. They yeah. almost covered the spread too. Almost, but by a point five, they did not. Defeating the Arizona Cardinals in the revenge game for my fantasy loss. Let's go. 36 to 26. Pad, you got those other stats. Yep. Uh, Kyler Murray, 24 of 33 for 150 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Jimmy Garoppolo, 34 of 45 for 424 yards passing, four touchdowns, two interceptions. Coach, your thoughts? This 49ers team is definitely for real. Yeah. I mean, this was obviously without Kittle, without Sanders, without Breda. Now you're just stripped Garoppolo of everything they had. Arizona's playing very well right now, so mm-hmm. you can't sit there and say that, oh, this is just a you know a, a win against a, a crap opponent because Arizona's actually playing very well. Um, so this is a solid quality win that if I'm a team that looks at you know, having to play the 49ers either in a home game in the uh, divisional round or having to play them in a home game in the wild card weekend, I'm very concerned because this team can do it on so many faculties right now. And then just imagine once Kittle comes back, you know, Braid is whatever. I'm not like, you know, he's not some star running back. No, he's, so, he's I mean, a good like breakdown, break a pace back. Yeah. So, I mean, him being out doesn't kill me, but I mean, once Kittle and Sanders comes back, look out. Because now their offense is going to match their defense. Oh, see, the thing of it is, though, is they definitely are beatable, though, because you think back to before they had their first loss, and there was almost this mysticism about them with, you know, how good the offense is and how good the defense is and, oh, can they be beaten and this and that. And, you know, yes, we know they can be beaten. They've lost. but And, yes, they are very good. But to me, it almost seems like, you know, Arizona showed that, hey, listen, they're good, but, hey, they're beatable. And that's the one thing that they need to take away from this is the 49ers scrapped for this one that they had literally – half their offensive weapons on the bench. And Garoppolo is proving why he is worth all the hype. I mean, to throw for over 400 yards against the Arizona Cardinals, not the easiest thing in the world to do. Let's face it. Arizona reminds me of Tennessee. They yeah. scrap. Their yeah. defense will always show up. Their offense, you don't, you don't know what you're going to get out of them each week. But they'll scrap with you and they'll hang. 
And this was a game that the 49ers needed to really bounce back and battle. You know division games that everybody's going to step up for. Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter who it is. Oh, yeah. But for 49er fans, you have to be very excited from what you saw. Especially this year, what you're getting out of Jimmy G. Uh, just over 2,400 yards passing, 18 touchdowns, 10 inter- interceptions. I Again, they look like geniuses. Those are good numbers. Trade. I mean, he has played nothing but well since they've came. I mean, yeah, all right, he may be having a stink performance here or there. But, you know, outside of the fact that that loss on Monday night wasn't the best loss and, you know, was on Garoppolo a little bit for that stretch, especially in the late yeah. two-minute warning. Yeah. Um, outside of that, though, he's played some really, really good football, even without having arguably his top weapons, okay. which is you, that's all you can ask of your quarterback. You can't ask anything more of, hey, listen, uh, star quarterback, we're going to be without the your number one wide receiver, we're going to be without your number one uh, tight end, and we're also going to be without your starting running back. Good luck. Mm-hmm. And then you go out and you put up 34 points. Yeah. It's I'll a, take it. I'll take that every day. You can't go wrong with that. And obviously, for what they pulled off, you have to applaud. And you have to say it's a great win against a divisional rival. It's what they need to do, especially if you're going to be in that NFC top seed race that they are in. Because Green Bay is coming up this week. Yeah, no, their their stretch of games they got coming up are really interesting. They've got Green Bay this week, Baltimore the week after, Ooh. New Orleans the week after, Ooh. Atlanta, oh. Rams. What is Atlanta? No, what is Atlanta? Rams, and then oh. finish out with the Seahawks. Ooh. Talk about a murderer's row. And you, I know, mean. and you know what? I was thinking, ooh, Kyler, or, uh, Lamar Jackson versus Jimmy G. They might flex that one into uh, primetime. No, because you've got the Minnesota Vikings with Seattle, and then you've got New England playing Houston, uh, Oakland playing KC, and then Chargers playing Denver in the later games. Nah, they'll definitely flex that. They'll, they'll flex want it. Lamar Jackson in prime time. Yeah, they'll yeah they'll definitely especially against that defense. Yeah, that'll be ratings right there. Oh, oh, wait, oh sure. Oh, excuse me. Uh, Minnesota Seattle's the Monday night game. Okay. New England and Houston is the Sunday night game. Yeah, yeah, no. they, yeah they'll flex that in there. Yeah, to to flex against Tom Brady. That's going to be a true. It'll well, be it'll be something to see, it'll be something to see though because it's Deshaun Watson going against Belichick. It, yeah, no, nah, I don't know. Not, I'm telling you, they want Lamar Jackson in as many primetime spots as they can, especially with how well the San Francisco defense is playing. That's going to be like a that's going to be like the game for the 49ers. Like if I, if I was a 49ers fan, I was looking for a litmus test on how good this team is. Yeah. It's not the Rams, which obviously you know that you have to be, and it's not Seattle. You want to say that you're one of these upper echelon teams, you got to beat Baltimore on that Sunday night game. Who would have thought at the beginning of the season that we would say the cream of the NFC North, or AFC North, rather, would be Baltimore when everybody was on the Cleveland bandwagon? Well, mm-hmm. let's hold on, though, because we all agreed that we were a little concerned about Freddie Kitchens as a head coach. Yes. Yeah. So while we were like, yes, there's so much talent that they will win games on talent alone, yeah, we were wrong. We were wrong, but definitely Cleveland is making a quiet argument. Well, they're doing their Cleveland thing. They're doing the Cleveland thing now where they are winning games they should, albeit though this game is getting noticed for all the wrong reasons as we'll get into my leap, though, I went with my betting guns, and then I thought it was like, Pittsburgh is a dog. You got to go with the dog. Cleveland, 
who knows what you're going to get each week. Anything happened in this game? I didn't really catch it. Not at all. Nothing well, Nothing much, right? Just straight football? So, uh-huh. so we'll break down the stats quickly. <laughs> Pat, you got the score and stat? Yep, so the final score was Cleveland 21-7. Uh, to seven. Uh, Mason Rudolph 23-44 of 44 for 221 yards passing. One touchdown, four interceptions. Baker Mayfield 17-32 of 32 for 193 yards passing. Two touchdowns, no interceptions. Oh, oh. sounds like a snooze fest. A little yeah. bit. But obviously the end of the game had a little more fireworks, not because of the score. What? Yeah. No. Oh, yes. The Miles Garrett incident, which yeah, king crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if you... If you <laughs> I, woke, I woke, I'll tell you this. I woke up and I had about nine messages from different people going, oh my God, did you see what happened during the game? Did you see what happened during the game? Which I'll admit, I watched none of this game because I don't care for the Steelers. I don't care for the Browns. All I care about the Browns is I have Jarvis Landry on my fantasy team and I get alerts when they're in the red zone and when he scores. Yeah. About all I care about. I, but, so I was like, all right, what the heck happened? And I went and found the highlight and I'm like, oh dear Gore. So I... I woke up at 2 a.m. to go a little potty break here, uh, and when I woke up, I always check when I have a fantasy player playing the night game, I always check, even though you shouldn't check your phone, people, if you wake up in the middle of the night because you will not go back to sleep, so I do it anyway because I'm, uh, who am I to listen to? Uh, let me live my life. Uh, <laughs> I I check it because I want to know what happened, and James Conner was already questionable, so I was already like, oh, good, here he goes, he's going to be out again. I see the notification that he's out, but then all of a sudden I saw another notification that said, Miles Garrett apologizes for helmet incident. And I'm like, what does this mean? You have to check it. So I click the link, pop up the video, and see the attack and the attempted murder (laughs) of Mason Rudolph. To put it in perspective, if you have not seen the video clip, I mean, (laughs) if you haven't, buy a computer. Yeah, this, this, <laughs> it's not hard to find. Like, yeah, yeah. If you, but if you haven't though, there was a little skirmish at the end of the game where Rudolph got into it with Miles Garrett. Uh, there was a lot of physicality, so to say. There was a grand old brouhaha. Yeah, I which, mean, there was an attempted murder, which Garrett came up swinging <laughs> after. Like, after, well, no, I mean, you can't deny it. I mean, he literally tried to kill the man. Well, the th- the problem is that Garrett ripped off Rudolph's helmet after Rudolph was. It, it looked like in, in some camera angles, Rudolph was trying to get his helmet yeah. off. Listen, but, I, but, I, but either way, Garrett, yeah. Garrett had a moment of insanity, which if you've not seen Miles Garrett, he is quite the large individual. And it's so funny because... He's got like 30 pounds on Rudolph. If yeah. you watched the uh, Hard Knocks that was Cleveland last year, like they talked about how Miles Garrett has this like sensitive uh, side of him, and they really featured that. I think it was like episode two where they talked about how he likes to write poetry yeah. and how he actually requests that they listen to blues or uh, R&B during practice. Mm-hmm. The lady must be Je- Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Here. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so it was so crazy when I heard the fact that he tried to rip a man's helmet off. Well, there's no tried. He did. T- touche. And then swing it at a guy. Like, yeah. I was like, all right, well, apparently you need to do more poetry. Uh, yeah, it's uh, not the best look for the, definitely the Browns. Who are, you know, they're trying to change the image, and they're trying to change the culture, and they're they're trying to change you know, how the public outside of Cleveland really views the team. Because let's be honest, unless you're a Cleveland fan or you live in the Cleveland area, and this is no offense to you, by and large, the NFL looks at you as kind of like the fodder of the NFL for the last two decades. It is an unfortunate look for him, and this was a an extremely bad look. Garrett doesn't have this history of being a dirty player or doing antics like this. And obviously, this was a heat of the moment, losing your mind reaction to the skirmish with Rudolph. Who, I mean, Rudolph is 
partially to blame for the incident as well. It takes two to tango. And obviously, if you see some of the footage, it looked like Rudolph was trying to get Garrett's helmet off. Now, was this a reaction to it? Yeah. Was this a sane reaction? Hell no. This was absolutely wild. You haven't really seen something like this happen in quite some time. In a even... couple of years. Uh, I know SportsCenter was running some some prior instances of something close to this. I want to say there was something with, I want to say it was Houston and somebody else in like 2012, 2014. I, I'll say, so, I mean, Mason Rudolph is not innocent in this. No, he's Period. not. Like, I am not, but I'm also not in the camp that this is all Mason Rudolph's fault. No. This was definitely, it should have been a 50-50 split. Mason Rudolph should be facing a suspension. I agree, I'm too. Not, I'm not saying he needs to have an infinite suspension like uh, no, Garrett he, did. Yeah. But he should at least be on minimum two to three, two to four games. If I was making the call, this is how I would rule this. Garrett should be or um, Garrett suspended for the rest of the season for sure, and, honestly, and counseling, and and yeah, and obviously whatever you want to give additionally to that, that's fine. Fine, you know, uh, community service. However, you want to divvy it up, it ends this season because, like I say, he does not have this track record, and this is a fight. If you've ever been in a fight, crazy stuff happens. It is what it is. Rudolph should be suspended four games because no matter what. He is partially he's partially to blame for it because it takes two to do this. It wasn't like a self act of insanity that Garrett just decided to rip his helmet off and swing it at him. They were fighting, they were getting into it. I know Marquis Pouncey got suspended as well. That made sense. He only got, I think, what, one game? Uh three. Three. All right. I I would say two at the most, but all right, I get it because he was defending his quarterback. But he's I mean, he was, he was, well, he's throwing punches. He was he also was, kicking him on the ground. Yeah. He was winding back and throwing yeah. haymakers. Yeah, well, that's the thing because you, it's a fight. And this is where this goes away from being a sport to this is a fight. So you have to come down with some punishment on this. Yeah, I right. think all the parties involved should have had something. I, I just don't think it's justified that, all right, while yes, he did, a, you know, attempt to kill a guy, you know, and Garrett. Um, I don't. I don't think that it should be him just seeking the sole and un, you know, long term punishment here. When it was very clear on the ground, if you watch the tape, I mean, Rudolph is grabbing him by the throat. Exactly. So it's like you have to, you know, when Malice at the Palace happened, Ron Artest wasn't the only one who faced a suspension. No. Everybody who went in the crowd got suspended. Yeah. So that should have been what happened here. If you were involved in the skirmish. You should have faced either a game or at minimum, depending on your role, at least a fine. Right. What the NFL is trying to do here is they're trying to put an end to this and put, and send a message to every player in the NFL, be they starting on the bench or on the practice squad. This kind of nonsense has no place in the NFL. It's not a, not a good look for the NFL, who over the last number of years have been really trying to be player-focused in terms of health, like improving mm. the safety, improving the long-term health of the players because they don't want another situation where they get like a $4 billion lawsuit levied against them like they had a number of years ago. So when you have something like this happen, they're trying to send the message to every player going, hey, this kind of thing has no place in our in our sport. Now, did they maybe miss the boat on some of the fines and suspensions? Yeah, I would agree so. But this was just them trying to put the message out like, hey, cut the shit. They need to do something, and this is their attempt to do it, and at least they're acting swiftly in, in a timely fashion with it. I don't agree that Rudolph got off as easy as he did because, like I say, I think he's 
instigated the said issue. Garrett's suspension, I completely agree with. And like I said, it should be done this season. I don't think he needs a lifetime ban. And I know I've read that a few places and it's like, stop. This was a moment where he lost his mind and swung with a helmet. Could he have done irrehensible damage? Yes. Yeah. But you know what? But but if that was the case, then they would have come down more on him. You have to take it in what happened, not what could have happened. Because the what could have happened is where the suspensions now are coming in. So hopefully this sends a message to every other player in the league that this kind of crap will not be tolerated. Have we not looked at what you touched upon with the malice in the palace? Have we had another incident like that in the NBA since that has happened? No. Uh, you've had, no, you've had no. scrums and you've had some but shovings, to, but nothing to that level. But to be fair, though, malice at the palace was a whole nother level. I, I would say more the NBA has really changed the fighting rule once the uh, Phoenix-San Antonio fight. Fair enough. That's really when, because, yeah. I mean, my God, Ken, I mean, you remember growing up. The oh, absolutely. Stuff. So once the bench rule changed, then fighting in the NBA really came to a minimum. Yeah, and I agree. But, but well, my point is that is when leagues really step in and really throw the hammer right. down. sweeping changes. That's yeah. what I'm saying with this. The NFL is making the statement with this, and unfortunately Garrett is going to be have this haunt him the rest of his life. Yeah, I mean, it's not it, it's definitely something that he probably looking back you know, I mean, I know that he hasn't really released a full-on statement, but I bet you uh, five, ten years from now, he's definitely going to look back and say, wow, I was an idiot. Look, well, at, look at Ndamukong Su. Yeah. Know, great player, great defensive player. But what is the stigma around him? He's a dirty player, yep. and it's back to this stuff that happened on the field when he lost his temper. The, right. one, the one thing is Garrett has owned up to it. Like, Garrett has... Right. Been, I mean, in, I know he released state. a little bit of yeah. a statement, but it wasn't something where it was like a full-on, like... Stand in front of the media for like yeah. 10 minutes. Stand in front of the media and get bombarded with questions. And, and I stuff. and I, I think that will come in time though. Yeah, and well, I, it I, will. I think it's just a matter of cooler heads prevail. And okay, what's the ruling? Okay, done. It's before you know the players unions and all that get involved. I, I mean, I think we forget though too. I mean, inherently, guys who play defense in f- football are just more violent. Like that is why they play defense because they seek and look for physical contact. And that's just in their nature. So when this happened, it was like he's a defender. Like he just the, the of, of uh, being a violent person is what a defender needs to be. And that's part of what happened and came out there is that just violent. I I I agree and I don't agree. I I think that you do have some points that yeah, if you play on defense, you're more looking for contact and such. I just think in Garrett's case. This was just a moment of insanity. Right. You know, he saw red. I'm not saying, like, this would be, like, a normal defender's reaction. Right. I just think inherently, though, when you get into a fight and it's fight or flight. You see red. And you see red. And you are the stature and and the the position that you play on the football field. Like, if a quarterback got into a fight with a wide receiver, Hmm. the first thing that they're going to do is probably not try to rip each other's helmets off and hit each other with it. They're probably just going to try and tackle each other and roll around on the dirt. He... Being a defender and a man who goes and smashes offensive linemen in the chest and the face all day, saw the opportunity to rip the man's helmet off, had it in his hand, and was like, what do you do with this? A toink. Well, and we also don't know what could have happened on the field in the lead-up to this. I, you know, he, he, there might have been a ton said that just, <laughs> it was just, you know, it's it's the the pot of water boiling over, finally just going, you know what, I've had enough. <laughs> you don't think he's Andrew Luck on the ground saying, nice hit, 95? Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't see that happen. But like I said, I think it was more Rudolph grabbed his helmet and yeah. it was just a reaction. So 
Either way, it's a bad look, and it marred a win for the Browns, who desperately needed one to kind of... And a bad loss for the Broncos, or uh, for the Steelers. Steelers. Yeah. Steelers. Yeah. Steelers is a bad loss, yeah. and it almost knocks them completely out of the playoffs picture. And for Cleveland, I know they're hanging on by a thread that they think they're going to run the table. I mean, maybe they will against Miami this weekend. The fantasy land that they live in, in yeah, Cleveland just, is like just insane. Whatever is going on there, they definitely need to clean up for next season. All I'm going to say. Cause they're well, not, that would be Freddie Kitchens getting yeah, canned. And I think that no matter what the record is, I think he's gone. Yeah. I, it has to be. So that being said, that was our locks and leaps for this week. So definitely hit us up on our social media account at OD Parlay Hour on Twitter. Coach Duffy will be more than happy to answer some more questions, give you fantasy football advice. Sure, I will help you if you need help. I Maybe I'll even do a little write-up every weekend, Maybe, obviously moving forward and into next year. That's what I'll do. I'll give fantasy advice on Sundays. We can make that happen, folks. Yeah. So definitely join in the conversation. Let us know what you thought about this past week's NFL action. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Vince the Cowman Seatoy, local MMA fighter, telling you to keep on listening to the ODPH, the 607's up and coming newest podcast. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we got to talk a little baseball. Yeah. Baseball. Which is weird uh-huh. at this time of year because yeah. it's not the winter meetings yet. No. Baseball. no. You got the owners' meetings are going on, but, you know, hot stove is kind of quiet. It's nothing really going on. No, it's a little weird. Yeah. So, Pad, why don't we break it down? Why are we talking baseball? Well, first, let's get some good stuff out of the way before we get to the dark doom and gloom holding over, you know, flying over baseball. Uh, congratulations to Cody Bellinger of the Los Angeles Dodgers for winning NL uh, MVP and then Mike Trout for winning American League MVP. Well done to Trout. you. LA, you know, LA, you LA, California sweep, California love, you know, enough said. Uh, moving on. No, uh, of course, we talked last week, and it was just breaking in that about the Houston Astros uh, cheating scandal. And my God, how much has happened since we last recorded. Yeah. It, it's almost you need a flow chart going on. Uh, since we have last recorded, you have expanded from just the Astros being looked at to they're looking at the in the 2017 season. They're now looking into the 2018 and 2019 season. Uh, you had Alex Cora, who is now the Boston Red Sox manager, possibly getting looked at for this because he was a bench coach during that same season and you also have Carlos Beltran being looked at uh, who is now the new manager of the New York Mets uh, who because he was a player on said team and the reason I bring those names up is because it has been reported again by the athletic this is all from the athletic so kudos to those folks uh, that you know Alex Cora and Carlos Beltran were really the ones that really implemented this and came up with this so then you, you fast forward and, and Major League Baseball is launching into an investigation. And then it came out a couple of days after that, that Astros, exec, again, the athletic mm-hmm. uh, Astros executives had asked scouts for help stealing signs and suggested using cameras, according to emails. Now, Peter Gammons uh, of the athletic used to uh, be on ESPN, ESPN and MLB Network said in a tweet uh, back on the 18th, quote, if the Astros front office had not been so cavalier about firing professional scouts, many of whom were treated with disdain 
gain, they wouldn't have many of them so willing to provide details of what they perceived as an organization arrogance at all costs. And I and I vaguely remembered something in the back of my head. I'm like, ah, yeah, you know what? I do remember them firing like eight or nine scouts, which is unheard of. And I and I dug it up. Uh, yeah, back on the 18th of August, 2017, odd odd year for that to happen. That's mm-hmm. uh, that Peter Gammons reported quote as a reward for their part in their successful season. The Houston Astros today fired eight scouts back in 2017. So this has gone from just the simple, you know, oh, the Astros were using a camera to steal signs and bang on a garbage can to now it's being suggested that they might have used like some adhesive medical bandage with, you know, a device on it that would vibrate at the press of a button so that she could tell because the thing that was getting brought up was how all they couldn't have done it in, in the World Series in 2017. It was so loud. Well, now you've got this coming up that, oh, because it was so loud, they found another way to do it. And it's leading a lot of people to go. You know, all right, what are they going to do? Because, as, like I said, the owners' meetings are taking place uh, down in Texas as we record, and there's a lot of owners, none of whom are speaking on the record, that really want baseball to do something about this. So, Coach, let me ask you this. I know you're not the biggest baseball guy on yes, the team. Yes, please, give it to me. Thoughts on this whole mess from an outsider looking in? So, as an outsider looking in, this is disgusting to me. I understand... And I get the culture that stealing signs is a thing. You know, same thing that happens in basketball or even lacrosse. When you call a set, teams inevitably figure out what that set means, you know, what that play call means, and they scheme to cover it. You know, I mean, that, that's yeah. just that's part of the game. Like, if you're not clever enough to figure out, you know, different signs for different things, then, you know, you're going to get figured out at some point. But to this, when you're going above and beyond – to steal signs, not just, you know, the second the guy, the runner on second peeking in, looking at the catcher, you know, and relaying the message, but to literally set up a camera with a feed to a TV in the clubhouse. That is just it's ethically wrong. And, and we should know it is perfectly legal by the baseball rules for, like you said, a, pl- a batter to be on second base peeking in at the catcher and maybe leaning one way for a fastball and another way for an off-speed pitch or maybe doing a high sign or something. Like that. That's perfectly legal. There is nothing in the rules saying right. you cannot do that. What is in the rules is saying saying you cannot use any elect, any electronic devices to attempt to steal signs. I can't remember the team, but there was a team within the last, I want to say it was last year, who got a fine for using an Apple Watch to try and steal signs in baseball. I just, as as a person who's not a fan, like, if I was a fan, with all of the nonsense that happens in baseball, like, I just, as a fan, would be so frustrated and fed up because the game is so corrupt. I, I don't know what other word to put it. I mean, from PEDs, which I know are used in every sport, but just they're so prevalent in baseball, to, you know, back in the day when people were taking uppers, to try and get an edge to, you know, now, uh, you know, sticky balls and pitchers putting uh, stuff on, risen on their hands to, to help the, the ball spin. You know, there's just so many things that's like, and I understand and getting, trying to get the edge, but at the same time, don't like, as a, as a human being, you have some sort of ethical standpoint that just says time and honor tradition and just appreciate the game. Yeah. And to me, like, the Astros should be held to the highest penalty possible. If Tom Brady got suspended four games for deflating footballs and breaking a cell phone that may have potentially had text messages on it, you know, 
I don't. Literally, the Astros should be stripped of a team for the year. I don't know where you can go with this because this is such unprecedented waters. The only thing you can arguably compare this to is the Black Sox scandal where you had eight players throw a baseball game because they had vested interest in how that game went. And, and those eight players were banned for life. Mm-hmm. Now, I think if you take that instance and put it in today's day and age, I'm not sure that instant of the, the punishment from that would happen just for the sheer fact that the players union exists. The players union did not exist back in 1918, but you have to do something. I, you know, Jeff Passan was on the new ESPN podcast, ESPN Daily uh, this morning as we recorded and was talking. And, and if I re- understood him right, it sounds like the maximum fine is like two million dollars, which, OK fine and great but to a millionaire or a billionaire that's a drop in the bucket Mm. and if you just do the fine you're going to have 29 other teams looking going okay so they stole signs for the better part of three years made it to two world series won one of them and all they got fine was two million dollars they're going to start going to their scouting department and everybody else going figure this out on how we can do this it's a fine line to walk and for baseball they've had a history of instances like this to a lesser degree. Albeit now we are in the digital age where everybody has a camera phone. Yeah, sure. And yeah. everybody has a new way to influence a game, shall we say? Sure. Put right. it politely. So for the Astros to be caught doing this and to take it to a whole other level, you now put the entire game's integrity for whatever's left of it, in jeopardy. (laughs) Because the other issue with this, and this is something I hadn't even considered when we were talking about this last week, is you have how many pitchers that were in the majors in 2017 when they were doing this or, or potentially doing this or allegedly doing this. You know, how many pitchers got called up from AAA, you know, went up against these Astros and got absolutely shelled and then just went, got sent back down to the minors never to see the majors again. You're, 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 messing with players livelihoods in their lives like and i know that you know no astros officials are are speaking on the record i mean yeah I know the uh, the astros manager was at the or, or excuse me owner was at the the owners meetings today and basically walked through the the hotel with a police escort before anybody could get to him and really ask him any questions about this but you know, I know off the record they're saying, "Oh well, everybody else does it." I'm sorry. The excuse, "Oh, everybody else is doing it." It didn't work when you were a child talking to your mother. It's not going to work now. It's yeah. I mean, just the integrity of the game is just—it's a farce. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you, you grow up and you have your kids play this game, and, and you know, you you try and tell them about the passion of baseball, the the passion of the sport. And then you get to the professional level and you see things like this and it's like, yeah, this isn't passion. This is, you know, people stealing and and not even stealing just to to win baseball. I mean, they're stealing to to win games. And then, you know, the the sport and the attack. I mean, you got mad at Pete Rose for gambling on his own team when he still was even gambling on them to win. Yeah. It's not even like he was throwing games. I mean, it's proven fact with him trying to show that he was, you know, gambling on his team just to gamble on them and still gambling on them to win, and he gambled on them to lose. But you ban him for years yeah, because of quote-unquote integrity. Mm. And now you have this position where such an elaborate scheme of cameras, TVs, devices on their, you know, in their pocket, in their elbow, guys smashing cans so they can hear it, whistles being blown. 
and you just and now you're sitting here and first off the fact that they haven't released a statement yet no. that you know absolutely villainizes or at least damns them is the biggest thing to me cuz si- sometimes silence can be the ultimate fact you know the ultimate million dollar thing i'll say about the only people having a field day with this are the folks over on the baseball subreddit over on reddit.com because to go over there after a couple hours of not going there is an absolute wild thing to see because within a week of that happening they've already one person on that subreddit has already put, uh, compiled a 25 minute video uh, of the alleged of alleged Astros stealing signs and yeah. banging on garbage cans. The other one they started digging out stats and, and specifically in the 2017 season uh, during that World Series, Brian McCann was batting over 400 at home and on the road was batting .083. I think my favorite thing is too is that they showed the 2017 like the story of the magical year. Yeah, and there's a video of players walking in and out of that tunnel. Yeah, where you see. The alleged TV that was yeah, being used. That with with a conspicuously placed towel that has got no business being there. Yeah. It goes to show that baseball still can't get out of its own way. <laughs> That's it's a good way. That's actually yeah. a good point there. Yeah. Because from time, like Pat has talked about, with the Chicago uh, White Sox scandal. The Black Sox. The Black Sox scandal way back when. That through present time, and you want to say Pete Rose, and you want to say the steroid era, and everything that's come with that. Baseball just can't seem to get rid of the shadow that they're supposed to be America's pastime, yet they fall flat on their face. Right, and this is and this is such a uh, thing that it's it's wild just to see because there is nothing. Like I said, there is not. This is quite argue. This could be arguably worse than the whole PEDs thing. Oh, I think oh, so. for sure because because PEDs bad. Yes, I think you won't find anybody, hopefully, on the planet who says PEDs are good. Yes, they make you hit harder, farther, and, and higher, but you still have to be able to hit the baseball. Yeah, I have the skill. But it's one thing to have the a power to hit the baseball. You still have to have the skill to hit the baseball. It's entirely different if you're sitting there, you're not on PEDs, but you know exactly what's coming. You may not know where it's coming, but you know what to look for. And that goes to show that this is such a big deal of how Robert Manfred's going to have to handle this mm-hmm. because his reputation and legacy is on the line. Yeah, as much and as the, as much as the PED scandal defined Bud Selig's, you know, legacy, this could arguably define Manfred's. This is going to be worse because you have to now do the unthinkable. You have to establish a new punishment and precedent for the digital era of your sport. Yeah. Because your integrity and for whatever saying that you're a champion of said sport is, it is now going to be defined by this moment. Right. I mean, you look back at the Black Sox scandal, they banned those eight players for life from baseball. Now, to our knowledge, had not has not been done since. Now, I know Pete Rose and gambling, a whole different ball of wax. But you need to set the precedent for this that you go to the Astros and also the 29 other teams in baseball going – you pull this stunt, we're going to do the same to you. It's like we said in the in the last segment with the Miles Garrett situation in Cleveland. You know, the NFL sending a message to every player going, "Hey, knock this off. This is the precedent. You need to do the same for baseball." What would Ken, what would you do for maybe a, a punishment for these guys? Well, the easiest thing to do is for punishment is you have to really lay the law down. And for everybody involved, from the ownership to the managers, the ones that put this in place, you have to ban them from the game. Yeah. You have to 
I, I'm going to say you're going to have to Donald Sterling the team. Yeah. You're going to have to force the selling. If, if you are really going to set the example with this, and this is year's precedent, it has affected championships. It has affected the integrity of your sport. To go above and beyond the call to influence the decisions of the game, yep. you need to set that precedent. And I'm sorry, but this is what it's going to have to be. Right. Because you can't sit there and just give them a slap on the wrist fine and say, oops, my bad, they'll learn. Right. And it's and it's like Buck Showalter, who was on the Michael K show last week, said because, you know, draft pay, taking away draft picks has been taken throughout floated out there and a bunch of other stuff. It's like Buck Showalter said, and Buck Showalter is as smart as they come. Mm-hmm. It's not gonna hurt them. They've got one of the deepest farm systems in baseball. Like, okay, find him. Great. The guy's a multimillionaire, if not a billionaire. Take away draft picks. That's not going to hurt him. I think it's like you said. I think you need to find this man, find the owner of the Astros. Now, you know, estimates have said that winning a World Series brings an estimated $70 million of revenue to your city. I think you need to find him maybe somewhere in the neighborhood of $50, $60 million. Really hit him in the wallet like, hey. And then also force the sale of the team. I need you think you need to force the sale of the team, find him, you know, $50, $60 million, suspend the GM for a year, suspend A.J. Hinch, the manager, for a year, and and figure out what you're going to do with with the players because you're never going to, unless you get somebody who really starts squealing and really just blacklists themselves from every clubhouse for the rest of their life, you're never going to know what players knew and what players didn't and what they did or what they didn't do. So that's going to be the tricky one. It definitely is moving forward. Coach, you got some thoughts? Yeah, I say say you guys, I, I would suspend operation for a year. I would say you're not allowed to play baseball for this entire season. And I, and I definitely think you need to vacate that title. Yeah, I think I think that it should just be the same way that a college team would. Ha- I mean, so, all right, and if you scheduling conflicts and all that garbage. So if you're going to play that uh, coin to it then, then I would say that there's a postseason ban. That yeah. none of these guys, you know, that they're not only are they not allowed to play in the All-Star game, they're also not allowed to make it to the postseason. And all their, and, you know, their games are played. And the outcome and all that matters, all right. But then, um, you know, a portion or the of the game uh, gate, either that X amount goes to MLB and into a pool for you know maybe a donation mm-hmm. of some kind or uh, to be redistributed to the owners. I don't really care. Um, that would be my minimum punishment. Make those players play without having any sort of reward for them playing. And then my ultimate punishment would be you have to spend, suspend operation for a year. You got to do something because this can't be a slap on the wrist. If you are going to take baseball seriously as a sport and you are the highest level of that said sport, yeah, you have to set the precedent. This is why somebody like me, I am, I am not not just because I play lacrosse because I'm not that immature at thir- at over thirty years old. I'm not that immature 16-year-old kid that plays lacrosse that's like, oh, I hate baseball because I play lacrosse. Like, I'm mature enough to grasp the concept of I can like both sports. But all the negativity and all that stuff that surrounds baseball has alienated me as a fan. Mm. Now, I chose to play lacrosse because I love the sport and I appreciate it, but I I don't... I don't like to watch baseball. Like, I'll go to a baseball. I'll go to the, you know, the Rumble Ponies and I'll watch a game. Do I like, you know, get enthused and everything? Like, not, not probably like you two would. Sure. But sure. I can appreciate it and understand what's going on. And I understand and can know when good baseball is being played. But to me, I that's why I, 
I don't care for the game because I just all the negativity and it's not the black socks and all that garbage. It's just all the things that have happened through my lifetime. I mean, being born in 87, right at the peak or the start of the steroid era, all the way through, you know, the the live ball era and now to this, I'm like what what is there to to bring me back in? You know, and and the the money and the spending and all that stuff, that's another thing that alienates me. And I know that's a whole other can of worms. And we talked about that mm-hmm. last year when uh, Harper went to Washington. Yeah. I, to me, it's just the whole sport alienates its fan base or the, the potential fan base of people who might come back to watch it. You, you alienate people like that because of things like this. Because when I sit here and I, I go, if I go to a game, how do I not know that that team is absolutely having disregard for the respect of the sport right i mean we can we keep bringing up the black Sox thing because that's the only comparable thing that can compare to it okay yeah peds but the peds ultimately didn't affect the greater outcome of the game you know for me as much as i hate the peds i also the ped era i kind of have to thank it a little bit because if it weren't for mark mcguire and sammy sosa going on that home run chase I wouldn't be a fan because I remember that chase going on and getting up every morning, going downstairs and checking the front page of the local paper because there it was, top page. Who was leading? Who hit up the home runs last night? Same. Like, and I watched that whole thing too. And I that that was a time in my youth where I was like, wow, you know, what is going – like that chase every, caught America. Yeah. But then after that, you know, once the uh, – Once the, the luster was luster, gone. Yeah, once it all faded and the sheen was gone – we were right back to square one with baseball. I mean, I mean, right after McGuire set that that single season home run record, I had a T shirt about it as a kid, and I remember being at a birthday party wearing that thing, and they go, "You know, he took steroids, right?" And I'm like, yeah. "What? What? What?" Well, because during that whole time period, but that's a, this, that's going to be a whole different ball, yeah. right? right. Yeah. Because that's coming out of the strike. Like I'm not, and I'm not sitting here saying, and that's the other, and all the strikes that happen in baseball. Yep. Like I'm not sitting here saying, like I'm the everyman that needs to speak for the for the people that don't watch baseball because there's a lot of other reasons why people don't watch baseball. Yeah. Three hour games, sure, uh, sure, long breaks in between innings, long breaks in between pitches. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's all those things that they're trying to work on the speed of the game, which I think will help. You know, the common man. It's just. To me, being on the outside and now probably not caring about baseball for at least 15-plus years, yeah. this does not help me want to get back into it. That is for goddamn sure. It definitely won't, and how baseball handles this is going to make or break them, in my opinion. I might sound like this is going to be a little over dramatic, but it's not because if you really want your game to be on the level that you are asking fans to go and pay hard-earned money to go to games. Right. Because you want to see an on-the-level competition. And I'm not saying that cheating hasn't happened through baseball. Like the famous saying, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. It happens in every single sport. It's just this is such a big thing that it literally shakes the game at its core. Exactly. Because once the foundation is gone, there's nothing to build off of. And for baseball, who has been surpassed by the NFL yeah, as the national pastime, it's not baseball anymore. Right. Baseball has really fallen behind football light years. And you can even argue, you can argue the NBA. Yeah. You, you can make that to argument. Degree, yeah. I mean, to, to, a, to, to a degree. To a degree. But you can make that argument. But for baseball to suffer another setback like this. I would say college football. However you want yeah. to define it. For baseball to suffer this big of a setback and how they handle this is going to make or break them. Because if this is a slap on the wrist, for whatever reason, 
fans are going to tune off. Mm-hmm. I will tell you this. I am probably going to stop watching because why am I going to care about a sport that doesn't care about my vested interest in the integrity of this game? For sure. Exactly. There is no other argument that needs to be made. For baseball, we have given plenty of reasons of how they need to come down and fit and address this situation. Because if they don't... And here's the funny thing to that point, though, Ken. Because you talk about how us fans have given them, hey, you need to speed up the game, you need to do this. What is the thing that they always argue back to you? Oh, the, MLB, the integrity of the game. Yeah, everything's you know, all pastime, we, tradition. We can't have a pitching clock because that's not time-honored tradition. Mm-hmm. Well, neither is this stuff, and no. you're letting it go. Yeah, because money talks and nonsense walks. But you know what else is going to be walking? The fans out the door when the ratings drop and, and, and nobody's going to the games. Because if your game is corrupt, why bother going to watch? Well, let's face it, though. This is, I mean, the percentage of people that won't go now is still going to be minor. I mean, this, as sad as this is, it's not going to affect it. Like, Soon. I'm the minority yeah. of people. But for a lot of a lot of hardcore fans that you want to talk about, the ones that have been built on the tradition and the pastime and the, and the rich history, the good stuff of baseball. Right. This will wipe away a lot. Like, this is how you also see how the Hall of Fame voters don't allow in people that were involved in the steroid. Oh, era. yo, I so mean. So, like I say, there, there, is a, yeah. there is a vocal group that if this is let go and not fixed, they're going to walk. There will definitely be a little bit of a hit in the ratings now. I don't think it will be anything so drastic that you go, whoa, my God. Like, right. the, There will be a little bit of a dip, but I don't think it will be anything that like you'll see headlines on major news sites. Well, I would say this. For other sports, though, they'll be watching this as well because this is going to be a benchmark case moving forward. Yeah. So a lot to digest right there, folks. So definitely hit us up on our social media accounts. Let us know what you think of this whole cheating gate scandal. What do you think is the proper punishment for this? Will this turn you off from baseball, or is this going to be, meh, I'm still going to watch, and why? Definitely want to have that conversation with everybody. So hit us up, ochodoroparlayar.com. Find the social media links. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is the King of Lyle, Luke Visengard, Gladius 205 champion, and you're listening to the ODPH. Time to run the ropes here on the ODPH podcast, give you a little bit of pro wrestling talk. Yes. And a lot of news has been happening this week. I know, I know we're going to have a guest blog from Rich from 3FN on OchoDoraParlayR.com, breaking down war games and the Survivor Series this weekend. But for the WWE, the biggest moment was CM Punk finally addressing all the rumors, all the hype on WWE backstage. So let me ask the panel about this. Mm-hmm. What did you think of his first appearance? I thought it was a, a good appearance. I mean, I definitely don't think that anything uh, too crazy, you mm-hmm. know, kind of happened. It yeah. definitely wasn't, you know, st- you know, stand the world up on its head you know, uh, newsworthy. But, I mean, there were some interesting quips, some interesting takes, and uh, I thought him and Renee Young, the chemistry that the two of them had, they definitely should be hosting a show. I mean, I know Punk, they said that he's only going to be, you know, appearing every once in a while, but the the two of them worked so well off of each other that it made the show actually better yeah. in my eyes. No, I mean, it was a ho-hum thing for me. I didn't watch the entire thing just because it was a little... Like, the thing I hate with the show is how late it is. Yeah. You know, it starts at 11 o'clock on the East, which is a time a lot of folks go to bed. I mean, myself, I was getting ready for bed and, and laying in bed watching on my phone because I had to be up for work the next morning at like 6.30 in the morning. So, but 
I honestly, it was cool to see him do the interview and really talk about it. And it really showed that, like, okay, he's not being held back by anything that he can or can't say. But I, kind of the moment I turned it off was when they started doing the promo school thing because I'm sorry, that segment is just cringy. But it was nice to see him give the interview and really dig into and really not hold back on what he was thinking and feeling. No, I thought it was a little underwhelming at points. I, yeah. I thought the whole promo school thing they tried doing, I understand. They it, just need to can that. It, it's it's nonsense. David Arquette coming on there and rehashing the old WCW thing. It's corny. I'll say the only good thing that came out of that is the gif of Punk holding up the F- minus sign and changing it to a plus. That's going to get a lot of use. Yeah, that one <laughs> yeah. is going to be interesting. But overall... He came out to talk to Renee Young about you know what made him want to come back, and it was somebody from Fox threw him the idea that he claims that nobody from WWE has spoken to him, which I don't buy. I just for any yeah, I reason, think it's so it's so telegraphed. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, listen, if you want to play up the thing and do the Fox gimmick and say that it was all them and everything, like that's all well and good. It's just like. I, I, I find it hard-pressed to believe that WWE has played everything so close to the chest for years that all of a sudden they would just let, you know, because they have a partnership with Fox, let Fox make decisions on what's going to be featured on a show with their logo Yeah, on. exactly. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, for that whole n- nonsense that he's trying to sell with that, it's like... At the same token, though, they're giving them a bit of freedom because you think back to at least some of the stuff and some of the clips I've caught... Uh, what they talk about and what they say. I mean, I think there was an episode where they were asking the folks that were on there, I think it was when they had Samoa Joe as a guest, they were talking about the the Rusev, Bobby Lashley, and Lana angle. And all of them just gave at least what seemed to me their honest opinions. And this is kind of one of my issues with the show is, all right, we, you know, sorry to anyone who still thinks this, we know it's scripted. We know that it's predetermined. How can I sit here watching this going, I know what it's supposed to be. I know it's supposed to be the NFL Live or the Baseball Tonight for WWE. Yeah. And and I enjoy NFL Live and Baseball sure. Tonight both. But I how I can't have a hard time sitting there for a show that's scripted when they're going, oh, we're going to preview Survivor Series and, and tell you what you should expect. I have a hard time sitting here watching this going, how do I know you're not in on some of the, what the outcome is? And you know what it is. And you're like, oh, hey, allude to it. But don't really give it give it away. Well, I think that's why you know they do the fourth wall breaking every once in a while, just to to kind of hey catch you off guard. You know, I yeah. mean that's why you know Punk was trying to you know egg Renee Young into saying who her favorite Shield member was. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like the the WWE knew that you know this couldn't just be a traditional time old studio show like they had back in the early 90s with the show that used to be on Saturday mornings and what Sunday night heat originated as like this has to be you know a little bit fourth wall breaking a little insider i think that's also part of the reason why it's on you know Tuesdays at 11 because it's going to be the smarks that are watching the show it's not going to be you know mom and you know dad and son you know, tuning on wrestling to catch it. You know, like mm-hmm. this show is is for the smart fans. You know, this is is for them to digest. So, I I I take it with a grain of salt every time I watch it. You know, because I think yeah, they they want to do the studio show, and I think it's a cool concept, and I think it works. It works to a degree, and I think for Punk being on there, it will help them because right because it gives it that ooh, what will he say? Well, that's the whole thing about his gimmick is he is going to say what he wants to be the voice of the voiceless, right? Which 
brought him to notoriety. I mean, like I say, if you're not familiar with CM Punk, that's what he does. He is the reality-era yeah. wrestler. He is somebody that will break the fourth wall and talk to the fans and be very honest with the fans about his opinion. And not whether care. You, yeah, yeah, whether you love it or hate it, he doesn't care. And that's why people gravitate towards I mean, him. I mean, you see that in when they were asking him, oh, we, you know, because he put out that he's been on Twitter, that he's been catching up on the last five years of, of wrestling because he hasn't watched the product in the last five years. And, and Renee Young asked that, you know, oh, hey, what's really stuck out to you? And he's like, oh, there's been some good and there's been some bad. And one of the things that he brought up that I kind of like raised an eyebrow, like, ooh, that's, that's an interesting take, was how he said, you know, the women's evolution is good, but you don't need to give it a title. You don't need to give it a hashtag. Just let them go out there and be themselves. Mm-hmm. And well, like, they, want, they want the hashtag to corner of the market you yeah know what i mean that's well that's the thing about you know marketing and right your yeah business i mean and, right, and that right. Just, but i understand his take on it but it's like you kind of have to coin it you know and that and that's the thing that he you know for him that's just not his vibe but i get that and i understood that yeah but i thought what he said made sense i thought the whole nonsense though about you know would he would he ever come back to the ring i thought was very very tongue-in-cheek so to speak yeah that he was like, well, you know, I'm 41, but you know, you, in this business, you never say never. And just as of right now, nobody well, said it's anything. It's not even that in this business. I think he said, it, you know, I'm at a point in life where I know to never say never. Yeah. And, yeah. and I wouldn't be surprised if he makes an appearance for one more match or one more thing. But in, in regards to like a, a long run and, you know, a multi-year run where he's going through championships, no. Like, I, like realistically, what has he got left to do? No, I... If he does anything, it's going to be the nostalgia act to come in and do, you know, the big shows, and that's it. Yeah. And it might be an appearance on Raw or SmackDown every once in a while, but it's only going to be for the big-time stuff. And I just think that's very ironic because the guy who was the most outspoken against the part-timers will probably end up becoming a part-timer. It's weird how it falls into place like that. But for Punk, it made sense. And I thought was another thing it was telling is the whole addressing Seth Rollins yeah. in the tweet at the end. Because if it was really nothing, why even bring it up? And he did. He addressed it and, and kind of nipped it in the butt. And Seth is still going with it on Twitter. So obviously he's still trying to make something happen. So you never know because if, the, if, if his argument is, well, nobody's came up and talked to me about it. Guess what? After that little comment, I guarantee you somebody rang that phone. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is this is the thing about the quote unquote the reality era that's so tongue in cheek, and you just you know I know that they do it to kind of keep you on your toes, and you know it's probably playful banter to them, and I'm sure we probably read into a lot of it too much. Oh, absolutely. You know, especially when Becky's going off on Twitter and slamming people and just burning bodies left and right. You know, like we probably all think way too highly of it and think that it's more than it actually is. So, you know, Seth's tweet was well-timed and definitely got him some buzz in yeah. a time right now where, let's face it. He's in a flux. He's in a fl- Yeah, he's in a very weird, uh, you know, state right now where the fans aren't really digging the vibe and it's not what WWE wants. So he's kind of like caught in a pickle is what I was trying to, yeah, to think he, of. So he's caught out there and he definitely needs to generate something. Obviously punk is the biggest name going right now. Right. And yeah. I, I think that's the, the, the best thing that you can tie your hat to right now is throw your name and be the first one to capitalize on the fact that punk returned by saying, face me, you coward, yeah. you know, and I, that's going to create buzz. Yeah. And for the rest of the show is pretty much basic WWE programming. Nothing really right home about. Yeah. I, Punk did have a very good farewell. Yeah. You know, portion there where he cut the promo back on David Arquette. Yeah. I just, it wasn't, 
it wasn't it wasn't altering for me. It wasn't game changing. It wasn't anything. It was just you know this is really cool to see him back in, in the building and around the business because obviously he had a passion for it at one point. And so you want to see people, you know, at their best, and this is where he's at his best. I mean, you can't argue that he wasn't arguably one of the best of all time that given the fact that if he was in a different era, probably would have been the greatest of all time. I mean, it was a good appearance for him. For me, it doesn't change my stance on I, you know, won't watch the show live unless they, A, change the time it's on. It's a god-awful time to put it on. And, B, change some of the segments because for me right now, it's a catch up on what they said on a Wednesday, you know, morning or afternoon or evening on the YouTube channel and just look at the YouTube videos and see what interests me and watch that video. All right. That's all I need to know. That's all it will ever be for me. Yeah. So obviously moving forward with that, we got to kind of see where punk goes, but obviously Twitter will be the place to find it. And Twitter <laughs> was very active this week for another reason. Coach. Yes, it no, was. not at all. Coach, you got some news on that? Well, I mean, what started with uh, uh, CM Punk, ironically, of all people, you know, tweeting uh, to promote his uh, appearance, tagged Vince McMahon and Tony Khan. So CM Punkster in that pot. Yeah, saying that he w- every, anything and everything would be on the table on Tuesday night, which obviously we just found out nothing was on the table. Yeah. yeah. But... It led to a very interesting exchange from a one Mr. Khan and one Randall Orton. Who is no stranger to starting some fires on Twitter. Not at all. And they definitely... What are they going to do? Fire him? Well, they (laughs) definitely had a lot of back and forth about um, events of each other's past, so to speak. You can look it up. Yeah, you can read it for yourself. Well, I mean, let's give the punchlines here. You know, Khan called out Randy Orton for leveraging AEW to get a better contract in WWE, which... Sorry, it was good business. That's, yeah. I mean, that's business. Brock, that's, does, yeah. Brock does it every two years. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the name of the game. And, you know, Mr. Khan fired back with uh, the Saudi deal. So, uh, eek. Yeah, and obviously, I think overall it was kind of a bad look for the WWE to oh, be addressing. All right. To address back. No, I mean, Randy addressing him back, sure. But I guess where the I'm saying it's a bad look for the WWE is, okay, you're really trying to hype up CM Punk being back on. Now, right. Granted, he tagged Tony in there. He opened the door. But as he <laughs> I says. I mean, yeah, he started all this. As he says, though, I'm a Fox employee. I'm yeah. a WWE employee. So we'll, we'll keep up with that charade right now. But for the WWE to answer back to a company that is craving the attention mm-hmm. it's and the like drama yeah, yeah yeah it's like big brother little brother and tony khan and aew is the little brother yanking on the pant leg of big brother wwe yeah well, i mean so what i'll say to this was i what connie what tony khan said i thought was so petty and salty yeah that it was it did it how you said it was a bad look for wwe i thought it was more of a petty look for them but, i I honestly, like, why have to bring up the fact that he leveraged you? Like, if you are a person with common sense, you're going to look at that tweet and be like, yeah, Randy, good move. I would have done the same. I mean, look, look like I said, look at the Brock Lesnar stuff with UFC. Yeah. They, they, people asked Dana White about it, and Dana said, hey, listen, that's good business. Like, that is what, what do you think basketball players go in and do? Like, oh, God, hey, uh, New York, I, I need a deal. Like, sign me, Knicks. I, I'm desperate. Like, no, they're going to go and say, hey, look, I got this deal in San Antonio. They're offering me two for 10. If you offer me two for 15, you're my, I'm yours. 
Have you not seen AEW be as petty as all oh. can be to get the attention of WWE? What? That's why. No, that's never. why I'm saying. Yo, like, I wasn't never. surprised. In fact, I saw that. I'm going. Yep. This makes perfect sense because they are grasping at straws to try creating buzz. If I can go full, if, you know, honesty. If I can open up here for sure. you, guys. do I need to put a disclaimer out? Not at all. No, I, okay. no, no. I just, uh, you know, I'm full uh, full sure. disclosure here. Sure. Um, if it wasn't for the show, I would not watch AEW. And you know why I wouldn't watch AEW? Because of AEW. Oh, I don't. I'll be honest. I don't watch AEW because of AEW and their fans is why I don't. I am so tired of the of the anti WWE people that I find myself now being a full fledged WWE guy. Ironically, Pad, you'll appreciate this. I'm actually becoming a little bit of a, of a Patriots fan. Yeah. What the hell? And I'll tell you why. What? Yep. I'll tell you huh? why. Listen, the Giants and the Patriots have nothing to do with each other. Yeah, but well, the, except for the preseason game. The yeah. constant oh the constant badgering and just utter disdain that people have for the Patriots, I find myself now rooting for the bad guy. So the more that I hear... Well, it also helps we're playing the Cowboys on Sunday. Sure, but not, not even just that. I was thinking about this uh, the other day. I was like, I'm so f- just sick of like everybody. Ooh, the Patriots, they're so good. They're dead to dead. You know, like respect them. They're so good. Respect it. And for the way that the AEW fans act, like, all right, listen, the WWE product is not good. Like, we can't, you can't sugarcoat it. You know, I mean, when dog poop smells, it smells. Like, there is no covering that up. But at the same time, like, how negative and salty and just overall petty and childish our AEW acts from Jericho, what he says, what Cody says. You know, the sledgehammer thing was cool. That was an act of, of, um, I'm trying to think of a word. What, here. an that homage? Was, you know, no, that was like an act of rebellion was what, what I'm trying to... Like, that okay. was lightning in a bottle. You know, you, you sure, capture that. Sure. But now the constant, like, reminders of, oh, we're not WWE and we're anti-WWE. Like, then it gets to the point where you're like, I got it. I don't care. I The thing that I take away is, like, I actually watch uh, Dynamite and then I'll watch NXT. Sure. Like I, I, I try, right. I try watching both. Yeah. Well, I mean, we have to. We talk about it on a weekly no, basis. But, but even so, I just want to see if there's any improvement every week. Okay. Because for me and AEW, and I've been very critical about this. I don't hide my stance on this. The wrestling is great. Yeah. I, I think the inwork ring wrestling is great. It's a, it's a glorified indie. Yeah. Because can... of, but the pacing, the production work, the camera, and I'm sorry, Jr. is awful. Yep. Awful. So I want to see if they're going to improve. I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt because I know when I turn on NXT, it's going to be as polished as can be. Right. Best thing I'm going to see all week probably. Right. But I'm still trying to give AEW the benefit of the doubt. But I do agree with you. The fan base is getting very toxic that I hate going on Twitter Wednesday night between 8 and 10 and talking about it because everybody is marking out oh, over oh my the God, most nonsensical. Yeah. Oh, and oh Jericho's the greatest champion of all time. It's like, come on. It's not even so much that. Oh, I it, mean, it, I, I'm just example A. No, no, you know? but, but yeah, I agree with you. But everybody is marking out about like, the one great thing that they had was Cody Rhodes had one of the best speeches he's ever done, his promo. But yeah, and it was all right. Like, No, but I, I thought for him it was great. Yeah. I thought it was. But the stipulation and all this nonsense that came with it, I was like, all right, yeah. thank you for you know telegraphing yourself right here. Right. 
I want to see how they're going to bounce back. But I think what I've seen, though, and every week I see the same thing. We want WWE's attention so bad. Yeah. Why? Be your own product. Right. Just completely disregard them and do your own thing. Yes, you air at the same time on Wednesday night, and we get, we are not dumb. We get it. But technology has given us this great ability where not only could we watch two things at once if we wanted to, but we can DVR and watch it. Yeah. So you don't have to fight for our attention. It's not the 1990s where it's like, this was all we had. You had to watch one and you couldn't watch the other. Yeah. Well, we the, can well, watch both. They're on Wednesday, but they didn't want Wednesday. It's just there was there was no way on God's green earth that Turner Sports was going to usurp the National Basketball right. League Association for a, a new wrestling. Right. No, and, I, and I get that, but what I'm saying is like you don't have to clamor for our attention when the fact that I'll give you my attention. I'll just not give you my attention Wednesday night at eight. I might give you my attention Thursday morning at nine, mm-hmm. but you're still going to get it. But the whole thing is their fan base is starting to react to the Tony Cons and, and, and the Cody. It's toxic. And, yeah, it's getting toxic. It's getting real bad. Like there's a couple of accounts I don't follow on Twitter anymore because just the nonsense is making me want to turn off. And when I read this tweet to wrap up the segment, it was like, okay, you wonder where they're getting the ideas from right here. Yeah, I mean, for me, like I Melter is a perfect example oh. of somebody that, you know, I when I read his tweets, I just I kind of chuckle at it because when people call him out for being a homer for AEW, he's like, I still write columns on WWE. Like, no sh- no shit. Of course you do. It's your yeah. job. But at the end of the day, your tweets are 1,000% one way mm-hmm. and 0% the other. And why do you do it? Because you're a mark for him. And yeah. g- okay, just admit it. Stop yeah. living in denial. I, I just, I get a smile. It's like Francesca. I just, at this point, I only follow it for the humor. Yeah. And that's all you can really do for it. So on that note, what did you think of CM Punk coming back? Okay, well, we'll get positive. Yeah. Let's bring it full circle. Yeah, we'll bring it full circle. What did you think about CM Punk's return? Was it worth the while? Was it not? His first interview back, do you buy what he's selling? Does anybody really do? Because I'm not sure. Uh, just one thing before we close out the segment. Pl- pray for Adam Cole this weekend. Uh, he's got a ladder match tonight on NXT against uh, Dominic Jack. Dijakovic, Dijakovic, Dijak. We'll just say Dijak. He's so he's got a ladder match. Wink, wink. Ladder, yeah. ladder match on NXT tonight. Whatever he's going to do on Friday night with the SmackDown show. Hardest working man in the business. War Games on Saturday, and then presumably he's going to be in the Survivor Series match on Sunday. That man is going to be sore on Monday. Um, he's not in War Games on Saturday. No, he is. He is. No, Sunday they're doing a number one contendership match. So he's going to be defending the belt on Survivor Series. I thought. For whoever's winning between whatever it is, he's gonna be busy. This yeah, week. yeah, right, yeah. He, either way, he's wor- he's yeah, the he's hardest working. working man in the business yeah, yeah. right now. Yeah, which I mean, good for him. Uh, but Punk, um, you know, he was there. He yeah. said some things, yeah. and then you know the show ended. Like I, I, I think I'll be more excited as it kind of goes to see where it goes from there. I think that's probably what my I'm basically grasping for straws. Yeah, like I'm like, oh please, like. To hint that you're coming back. Like, hint that you're coming in the ring. All right, you're going to be on next Tuesday. Like, you know, and then if nothing comes of it, like, six months later, I'm probably going to be like, all right, Punk's on the show. And then that will be the show where he's like, yeah, I'm going to wrestle WrestleMania. I'm going to be like, well, I wasn't I paying attention, you know? So it was it was a, it was a good appearance because I liked their, their chemistry, mm-hmm. but that's it. 
ODPH Society, hit us up on the social media accounts. Let us know what you think of the wrestling this week. Do you agree with the CM Punk stance? Do you agree that Tony Khan and Randy Orton got a little out of control? And whose side did you take on that one? Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling, and you're listening to the ODPH. I didn't mess it up. I thought I would. Right now, back to the guys. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what do you got for that local minute? Well, of course, local minute, we're going to be talking a little Binghamton Devils news because uh, their games last week, they had a home game on Friday the 15th against the Phantoms where they won the game by a final score of 3-1. to one. And then they had another game on home game on Saturday against the Thunderbirds, I think is what the team name is there, uh, lost by the final score of 3-2. to two. Looking ahead to their games, they got coming this week. They got a game uh, today as we record on the 20th. Uh, up in Utica against the Comets. Uh, they got a game on Friday at home against the Senators, game time 7.05 p.m. And then they've got another home game on Saturday at 7.05 against the Americans, game time 7.05. More information, uh, BinghamtonDevils.com. But that is not the only local news we have. Uh, no, uh, this is something that floated on my radar a couple weeks ago, but I really didn't think anything of it because a report came out a couple weeks ago that Major League Baseball was looking at drastically changing the landscape of minor league baseball and shrinking down the number of teams they have, which admittedly, I when I first read it, I was like, all right, that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world uh, because there's at least 160 oh minor, league, minor league baseball teams. Yeah. So like, there's a lot, there's a lot of levels. I mean, looking at the Yankees specifically, they have, if my, if I'm counting this right, according to the, the Wikipedia page they have uh, for their minor league affiliates, they have something like nine minor league affiliates. What's, what's the average roster size? Like 25? Uh, I don't, couldn't even tell you. Right, let's it's, just say 25. It's a lot. That's 4,000 players. Yeah, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but major league baseball has proposed uh, something that would alter the landscape by severing the major league affiliations of 42 teams in the lower levels of the minors now we don't have a lot of the details with this and there's a supposed list of things that you know the teams are in deficiency on that they that needs work on and this is why they're doing it uh but unfortunately for us here in the binghamton area the binghamton rumble ponies are on said list of teams that if this goes through and if this happens we would be losing our affiliation and loop and losing the rumble ponies now the local owner, uh, by the man by the name of John Hughes, owns the franchise. So there would be a team here, presumably, but they just wouldn't be affiliated with the New York Mets. Now, there's a lot going on with this, and we'll definitely keep you updated as it's going on. And it is definitely going to be a messy situation because, uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken uh, on the number, I know this is the case, but the number might be wrong. Uh, so at least 106 congressmen both on both sides of the aisle sent a letter to Major League Baseball uh, in opposition to this and basically threatened their antitrust exemption if they went through with this, which would basically, if they take away their antitrust exemption, if my understanding is right, uh, they would dissolve baseball itself. Uh, so this is definitely going to be something to look at. But according to another minor league owner uh, who owns a uh, minor league team down in Daytona, uh, he said he told the website 12 upcom quote, uh, the thing that's not being talked about but has been communicated to us by minor league baseball is that this is the first wave of contraction. 160 teams to 118, 118 to 90 in the next five years. They want to they want a clean single A, double A, triple A with nothing in between. MLB's five-year plan involves cutting baseball from 70 cities and towns across the country that have supported the game, close quote. And, and like I said, unfortunately for us, Binghamton is on this list of teams, initial teams that would be cut. 
the thing that the ownership and local officials don't understand is anything that is on this supposed list of deficiencies and things that are one of the leading factors of them wanting to take away. Binghamton has addressed all of them. You know, they said, yes, the stadium is, you know, very old, but in the last five years, they have invested a lot of money and done a lot of things to address some of these issues. And and they really, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, Binghamton mayor, rich David really put it down to a moving strike zone that they've got these things fixed, but baseball is just moving. You know, local leaders, state officials, and, and, you know, some of our state senators are definitely going to be getting involved in this. Hopefully the team is able to stay. Uh, but like I said, we will definitely keep you updated on further developments. Damn. Yeah. This yeah. Is, we heard rumblings about this, no pun intended, um, a while ago, but it's now really getting some steam to it. Mm-hmm. And like I said, uh, Pat and I were watching the presser before we recorded yesterday. Yeah. And definitely very telling, yeah. uh, very... Honest and upfront that this is going to be a fight for hometown baseball. Yeah. And for communities, I mean, let's take away from the sport aspect. Yeah. For communities that are small town and that are not major cities, having a stadium and the local businesses that are around it, this is going to affect them tremendously. Right. I mean, I know we're lucky in this area that we have a local business that is able to travel to New York, you know, to see Yankee games and Met games. But that is not the case in every city that, you know, you can't travel to San Francisco to see. You may not be able to travel to see the San Francisco Giants or the Texas Rangers or the Colorado Rockies that like whatever your local minor league baseball team is, that's the only baseball you can travel to and see in person. So to take that away from the cities is going to do a lot of harm to them and a lot to take away a lot of business. Yeah. This is going to be rippling effects throughout. I mean, my biggest takeaway from all this was if you are in that standpoint, you got to go to the games. Yeah. I yeah. mean, the bar I've gone, I go to Rumble Pony games every once in a while, and it, the attendance is poor. It's it's better than it has I mean, been in years yeah, past. Yeah, sure. It's, but it's, 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 been, it's been improving, but no, Coach is right. Like, if, people are, you know, there's all these people, this contingency of people that are worried about, the you know, the uh, devil's leaving. Yeah, go to the games, right? And and I had that definitely same thought. You know, there's going to be a lot of people in our area who are, you know, sky is falling. Oh no, the rumble ponies are leaving. To which I would say, and I don't mean this as a criticism or any, you know, negative. When's the last time you went to a game? Yeah, like if like if you're sitting here, woe woe is me. Oh, I don't want the rumble ponies to leave. But then I go, when's the last time you went to a game? And you tell me, oh, 10, 15 years ago, go to a game. Like I was nine when the Rangers left, and yeah. I understood why the Rangers left. Yeah, you, th- nobody was going to the games, and they found a venue that could hold more people and had a better market. I hate to tell you, if you don't go, teams are going to leave. And that comes down to what Coach is touching upon. If you hear there's nothing to do in your town, because we hear that quite often, mm-hmm. go to a sporting event. For sure. Even if you are not into sports, it's still a social event. It's, you can, it's still your, you know, especially baseball. I know hockey, it's a little cold and you're indoors, but baseball, you're sitting outside on a summer night. You can get a couple glasses of cold ones. You can get a hot dog. I mean, come on, the Big to Rumble Ponies game, you can get two tickets and parking for like 25 bucks. It's, yeah. it's cost effective. So, just the major point to drive it home is if you don't want your team to leave, go, go. to your games. And get get very vocal on social media. No different than supporting local business. Support your local sports team, yeah. right? And and you can Google search to find the full list. If your team, your local team, is one of the teams that is unfortunately mentioned with this list, you know, write your state 
and local and federal officials, your senators, your congressmen, you know, just say, hey, listen, I'm one of your constituents that live in this city. We got the potential of our minor league baseball team leaving. I don't want that to happen. Can you help us out and, and stop this from happening? It's the only thing you can do. And you got to just get to the games. So let's bring it up back up on a better positive note, note here. Yeah. The yeah. Binghamton Bulldogs, mm-hmm. another victory this past weekend with a one forty five to one thirteen victory over the Westchester Wildcats at uh, St. Patrick's Gym over in Binghamton. They are playing again on Friday against the Spa City Gamblers, mm. uh, eleven uh, at eight p.m. at St. Patrick's. So another home slate game for them, and I mean the countdown's still on for Syracuse. Baby. January 11th, we were waiting to see. I was at the game TikTok, this past TikTok. weekend too. Um, Westchester came out. I will say this: they had a very loud, small but loud fan contingent. Wow, good that, for them that, for traveling. They were uh, making some noise. And second quarter, a lot of stuff fell the Bulldogs' way, and okay. that's why I pulled the rebound because they had a rough first quarter. Sure. That first quarter was brutal. Well, you, I mean, when you get there just in time for shoot around, you know. I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the, it was kind of a little. It was kind of an odd opening to, at least from what I could perceive. Right. But that being said, um, the Bulldogs came alive in the second quarter, and they really swung the momentum back their way, and everybody got warmed up and was starting nailing shots. Yeah, I mean, if the three falls, they're gonna be okay. Yeah. It's when the three doesn't fall. Yeah. So that's what I said. It took him a little while to get going. Like I said, warm-ups, I didn't really see a lot that was impressing me. So I was like, this could be a little rough one in first quarter. <laughs> Definitely looked it. So that being said, get down to the Bulldogs. If you can make it, BinghamtonBulldogs.com, or better yet, just go to their Facebook page. Sure. That that's way ever, I've literally had to scroll about three-fourths of the way down their page to get to the last game. So let's round those bases and take it home, shall we? Coach, do you want to kick us off with this one? I'm going to pass the pad. Sure, I'll start us off. A little more baseball news because I can't stop talking it, but we had some good news. Uh, On Monday, the National Baseball Hall of Fame released the 2020 ballot. Uh, It's a 32-player ballot, including 14 holdovers from last year and 18 newcomers. I won't go through the full list. You can find it uh, if you do a Google search, but here's just some notable names that are on the ballot for the first time this year. Uh, Bobby Abreu, Josh Beckett, of course, you know, Won the World Series with the Florida Marlins and then had the long career, there, the great career over in Boston. Heath Bell, uh, Jason Giambi is on the list oh for the boy. first time. Uh, something tells me he's not getting in. Raul Abanez, uh, Cliff Lee, Brian Roberts, of course, if I'm not mistaken, the longtime Baltimore Oriole. Alfonso Soriano is on there for the first time. And uh, some dude named Derek Jeter. Yeah, might, might get in. I think I've heard of him. Yeah, so that is the full list. You know, obviously we'll have to look out and give a watch for see what happens going on when they finally announce the players that are getting in later this year, or excuse me, later next year. Uh, but it'll definitely be something to look out. And uh, if you're a Yankees fan wanting to go see Jeter get inducted, well, you should have booked your hotel like three years ago. Right. So it's going to be a very interesting time at Cooperstown, mm-hmm. to say the least, when it comes about. Coach, are you ready now? Yes. So this past weekend, uh, while we've talked so much baseball, let's talk a little lacrosse. Okay. This past weekend, the Premier Lacrosse League had a group of quote-unquote all-stars travel over to Japan to uh, play the Japan All-Stars, or you know, basically the uh, Japan World Team, in an exhibition game while also... Uh, having a clinic and a camp there for the youth of Japan to help uh, grow the game a little bit. You know, obviously, uh, the World Games is a pretty big deal um, for lacrosse that features, uh, I mean, God, I think they had this past year uh, 42 teams come out and make it. And, you know, typically the, the, 
the top of the notch is going to be Canada, uh, Team USA, and then they actually are the only sport that uh, recognize uh, the Iroquois Nation. So something pretty cool that they do there. Um, but in this uh, event, they played Japan, had a great showing. Uh, highlights of the trip are on the Premier Lacrosse uh a YouTube page. Uh, they have a full highlight and vlog of the day with the featuring the players traveling, you know, in Japan, experiencing the culture and everything. And uh, I mean, a pretty good uh, positive thing there. Right on. Definitely sounds it. Uh, breaking news as we were recording, Ben Simmons is at a three in the regular season. Hey, oh. hey the over under for that was 10. I was like, that is easy money. And I mean, it's this first one and we're already three weeks into the season. So, mm-hmm. Whoops. Yeah. Kind of a big deal. Yeah. So I guess I'll run two quick things. One, uh, speedy recovery wishes to Alabama's quarterback, Tua. Yes. Yes. Definitely did not like hearing the dislocated hip. Crazy. I mean, brutal. we are not Alabama fans per se, but we never want to see an injury like that happen to anybody. Not at no, all. Not no. especially to such a talented player that Tua is. Yeah, so we are wishing him a very healthy and speedy recovery. I know the latest uh, college playoff polls came out. Uh-huh. Yes, they did. So any thoughts about that? Anything jumping out? I mean, really nothing much. Uh, no real position change uh, as, f- you know, as far as the top four. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe some – Slight movement and adjustment, but everything pretty much stayed the same there. Um, I I can't wait. I mean, my, my death scenario of three SEC teams, thank God, will not happen. Yes. So we won't have to worry about that. Uh, I am a little personally upset, though, because uh, obviously hoping that Notre Dame was going to make it to a New Year's Six Bowl. Not looking very good right now with them being 16th, sitting behind a three-loss Auburn team. Oof. Yeah, Not happy not uh, yeah i can't exactly be too chipper about that but it's gonna be really interesting when the dust finally settles for college football a lot of big games still left to be played and now we're getting into real crunch time so it'll be some fun football to watch and my other base that i am rounding with was some ufc action this past weekend okay that kind of a little quieter card jan blankwitz defeated uh jacare and a jacare moved up to light heavyweight in the title or uh espn plus card that was down in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Okay. Um, Blackwoods did what he does, and uh, was actually kind of surprised at how well he, he won this one. But he got the decision, so can't take anything away from that. In the co-main event, Shogun Hua was facing Paul Craig, and this ended in a draw. Hmm. A legit draw. A draw? That's rare. Which is very rare, and this yeah. is coming on the roughly anniversary of his epic fight against Dan Henderson. Right. How, and from 2011. Which, if you've never seen that fight, that is my personal all-time UFC favorite fight. That one, I remember watching that, and I said, I don't even care who won. You could call it a draw. That made sense. This one did not. I thought Shogun should have got the uh, split decision, but didn't happen. And Charles Oliveira defeated Jared Gordon and continued a run at the lightweight division that he's been on a tear lately. So... Very cool to see. He won by knockout, which is very unlike him because he usually does submissions. Right. But strong performance for them. So definitely a very interesting fight night going on there. And let's just get into locks and leaps, shall we? Yes. So we just had to kind of plug that UFC card because it's actually a really good card. So should I kick us off or should I defer? 
I'll defer to the field. Sure. So, Pad, why don't you kick us off? <laughs> sure. Uh, for my lock, I'm going to take the New Orleans Saints, uh, who are currently favored by 10 points against the Carolina Panthers. Saints at home. Panthers, Kyle Allen, I'm sorry. You're just not the guy that you know. Carolina should be looking to to fill in if Cam Newton happens to be leaving. So Saints at home, expect them to win. Uh, for my leap, a little hard because I couldn't find anything that was really jumping out to me, but I figured, hey, why not go for this one? Seahawks are currently a two-point underdog going into Philly this weekend. I definitely think Seattle eight and two Russell Wilson. Definitely. I, I realize Lamar Jackson is kind of dominating the MVP talk, but you got to put Russell Wilson in that discussion, at least to have the discussion. I think uh, Seattle and Russell Wilson will be able to pull things out in Philly. Good picks there, Pat. Can't argue those coach. All right. So my lock, I'm going to go with Cleveland. Ooh. Facing the Dolphins. Oy. I know this is kind of low-hanging fruit, and I've tried to avoid it. And I also don't really love this spread of 10.5. Uh, final score, 2 nothing. Yes, but what I do like is I think that the Browns are going to come out and play some inspired football uh, with the fact that, obviously, losing Miles Garrett for the year. Um, I don't like the news today that both Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham were uh, out of practice today. Mm-hmm. Also making me a little nervous about this pick. But I do like the idea that Nick Chubb is going to get fed the rock, baby. And it's going to be a heavy run game against this very bad Dolphins run defense. Um, so that's that. And then I'm going to go with the Jets. I'm a ri- you know, I like to ride these teams. I get on them and I just ride them until they fail me, you know? Yes. Uh, so I'm going to ride the Jets here until they let me down. Raiders traveling west. One o'clock game. All those things kind of add up. You tried that once before, and it didn't work for you. Yeah, thanks, Pat. (laughs) I I know. I'm just going to go with it again because statistically, the number is there that West Coast teams traveling east and playing at one have a losing record at that stat. Okay, Coach, with this line of thinking, this season Mm. 0-1. All right. Well, you know, statistically, the number shows that those teams lose. So we're going to take... The two and a half, and the Jets are going to win this game outright. And Sam Darnold is going to throw the ball all around the place. But to what ghost? That remains to be seen. I mean, hopefully Crowder, because I'm going to be playing in my fantasy lineup. Fair enough. So for my lock, purple rain. No, no. Say, sound guy galore is real happy right now. No, not that purple rain. No. Lamar Jackson and company going against... The Rams. Okay. okay. Three-point favorites, and I think it's going to be a good game and a real test of what the Ravens are doing. ESPN was probably so happy to see this coming up on their slate. They, yeah. They must have freaked out. <laughs> oh, God, we got one, guys. We got one. Yes. And I'm like I said, I'm riding on the Purple Rain train. And for my leap, I have no faith in Mitchell Trubisky or whoever is starting for the Bears. Hey, 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 be sensitive, give, all right? He's day-to-day right now. Give me Danny Dimes. Give me a one-legged Saquon. (laughs) Give me the plus six. The upset special of the week. That line is terrible. Yeah. That is bad. Yeah. That is such a bad line. Yeah. I mean, guys, let me tell you a statistic from that uh, Chicago game last week. Khalil Mack, zero. Yeah. Literally, just the Mm -hmm. number zero. nothing. Nothing. He had nothing on the stat sheet. 
I fear for Danny Dimes. I mean, I just like to imagine. I know they wouldn't, but I just like to imagine walking into like a sports book somewhere in Vegas and somebody looking up at the the line for the Giants and Bears game, and it just instead of reading a point score, it just reads, "Do we have to?" Question mark. Well, I, yeah, I just I ugh, ugh, gross. I wouldn't want to touch this game. But that's what I'm going to. All right. All right. Hey, I mean, roll the dice. That's what we do here. That is what we do here on the ODPH. So I am looking at it because I'm like no other lot or leap really kind of is jumping out so much. And, I mean, the Giants did have a good game against uh, Mitch Trubisky-less Bears team last year with Chase Daniels at quarterback. The Giants played very well, beat them yeah. uh, on an almost caught Hail Mary. Um so, yeah, I like the Giants in this game. It, it could happen as well. And plus, I just want to hear your epic rant next week because we didn't have any Giants to talk this week. Well, I mean, my rant might be more for the Bears because I just I feel so bad for Trubinsky. Yeah. What a what a, what a nag you with that. What a what a BA move. Oh, yeah. What a BA move. You oh. know, and now you list them day to day today. Come on. Yeah, you, you've now officially just ruined that kid's confidence. Yeah, I mean, literally, why didn't you just take the bus? And just say, hey, Trubinsky, can you just stand at the 50? No, 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 don't worry about it. And then just plowed him with the bus. Yep, because that's all he needed to do. Because that's what he did. That's literally what he did on national TV. Yep. So that's why I said mentally he's shot, and then whoever the Bears' backup is, I don't even care. Chase Daniels. Yeah. If he, yeah. So Chase ain't going to do nothing either. No. And you I know mean, what? I'm the Giants' secondary has nothing to worry about for once. And who's their kicker still? Pinero? Pinero. Yeah, which you haven't cut him for missing all those kicks. <laughs> They love it, though. They're, they're Chicago doinks. Enough said. I'm sorry. The I mean, only, listen, the, Rosas did not kick any better against the Jets. So like, <laughs> yeah, the only thing winning in Chicago this weekend is going to be the WWE. Oh. So, so that is where I'm going with Definitely that. Definitely not the Bulls. Come at me, Chicago. Exactly. <laughs> you, I'm just you, kidding. You, you no, get, don't. You'll get dealt like Dallas. Oh. So let's end in on that note, shall we? The music you heard on this episode is that of Fair City Fire. They're our friends from Austin, Texas. They're a great band. If you're down in the Texas area, you should go check them out because they are traveling and doing some tour dates. You can find out about that on faircityfire.com. If you're not sure how to get there, ochoduraparlayhour.com slash music. You can find out about them. Shout out the robots who have a huge live show at the Lost Dog Thanksgiving Eve. You can also check out Walking Distance, Honker, Floodlands, all the great music you hear on the ODPH podcast. You can also check out hashtag 607 podcast, where you can find out all about Three Fat Nerds. You can find out about Horizon 607, everything that's going on in 8122 Productions. Do you know they're on Patreon? You should, and you should definitely check out all their offering there as well. This is uh, everybody. He does not have a card reading this right now, by the way. No, this is all just straight looking at the wall, and I'm just, just trying to stay at just trying to remember everybody. Just remembering everything because I like to do this live. We do this live, folks. Screw ups and all. And also, I can't forget to talk about Parlay Points, the complimentary blog section, where you're going to find uh, Coach uh, Duffy's bl- fantasy fa- blog. Got to get on that. At some point. At some point. You're going to find this weekend, Rich from Three Fat Nerds is going to be doing a wrestling blog for us, giving up predictions for war games and Survivor Series, or one of the two. I'm not sure if uh, Horizon Mike C is going to jump in on that. He usually does, but we'll have to kind of wait and see about that. And you can also find out the comics blog. You can find out so much going on on OchoDuroParlayHour.com. You need to add it to your browser immediately. Because that's all we got for this week. So for your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. Support local sports. For Padawan J. Goodbye, and I have spoken. I'm your host, Ken M. That's all I got. So we'll just end the show like that. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 